0: Ah! <laughs>
1: for
2: joining the ESBC Podcast Network, where the purpose of the podcast, we just had a really good Kentucky Derby podcast with a good old timer. Uh, Philadelphia, Phillies, Tug McGraw stories, amazing. Uh, Three penthouse models in Kentucky. That was an epic podcast. But the purpose of the podcast is to make me money, right? And I say that because we're no BS uh we're not like these athletes that say oh i'm doing it for the people i'm doing it for the universe no 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 you're doing it for the money all right now if you are the smartest toughest person in the room you are in the wrong room so i brought <laughs> in three guys right who are a lot smarter than i am a lot tougher than i am And Allison Radcliffe is going to come in, and she's definitely a lot tougher, smarter than I am. She's uh, got a number one draft pick in waiting. Ben Rashlaff, the University of Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, the Air Raid, Tyson Helton, Clay Helton's brother who's at USC. She'll be on the podcast uh, live streaming with us the NFL draft. So we got – first we'll go around the horn. We got Jim Coventry NFL National – champion, fantasy guy. Thank you for joining us with us.
1: What are your first thoughts? Couldn't be more excited. Unlike last year's draft, this one's going to have the real feel. I just can't wait to see some of these deals go down, and we are going to analyze the heck out of this and start monetizing and preparing for the season. Nice. Nice. Now we got, I you know,
2: when Scott was talking, I said, how am I going to introduce you? And when he was talking, it triggered. Uh, a business meeting. It's always better to be lucky than good. And I was at a business meeting. I think there was a like five million dollars on the line. We were in a conference room, and before we started the meeting, the guy started talking about football. And it was a February. They were talking about the draft. So we spent two hours talking about football and the draft and five minutes closing the meeting. So it's better to be lucky than good, right? That's why God gave us uh, two years and one month. So I probably would have blown the deal if I were. <laughs> <laughs> All we did was talk about football. And Scott says that he's been talking NFL draft, the football, starting now. Thank you, Scott.
3: Scott Code, right, for coming with us. Yep, yeah, no problem. Uh, it's like Christmas tonight. It's like Christmas. First round is always what I look forward to seeing the trades that go on, seeing everything else. So I'm, I'm just looking forward to this. I'm, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a different draft this year.
2: So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I. Actually look forward to the third day. And then that guy who might be active on the third day because you have guys on the third day. Some guys don't want to be drafted because they want to go to the Patriots instead of the Detroit Lions, right? Want, <laughs> and Patricia
3: isn't there anymore. So it's like, oh, please, Detroit, don't draft me. <laughs> yeah, but Patricia's back in New England, so I don't know if they'll want to come here.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: now so we got Chad Nolan, who might be active on that. Third day, he might get on a on a on a on a team as an undrafted free agent. Uh, he he's got an, an arena deal locked in, and uh, he is a former CFL superstar. Right, he was in the CFL. So while we watch, he plays. He's reporting a four 4-2, two a four uh, he, he, he he's he's worked out for some NFL teams so you might see him there at some point burning up a, a camp and he was with the Patriot receivers and Cam Newton trained with Cam Newton and he also trained with uh, a cornerback who's going to be a late first round pick for you
4: Scott yeah a ton of. I mean we were with um, tons of guys I mean this offseason from knockout passes from Trevor Lawrence had a workout um, I mean Jarrett Stidham we had a um zach wilson out there to speed training with my speed coach so i mean just plethora of guys i mean i mean that's kind of the angle that i'm bringing is that the player angle i know a lot of these guys i train with a lot of these guys current active roster guys guys uh coming into this draft so yeah i'm just happy to be here and provide whatever content and information and knowledge that i can
2: right and in business and finance the people with the best information win. And I don't think you can get better information than what we're giving. First year of the podcast, we hit 64% against the spread. Uh, we, we hit 80% NBA playoffs. Second year of the podcast, we hit, again, 64%. So we want to get to 70% where I was before the podcast. I, got, I always mention I have an NBA securities license. And my wife, Anna, the psychotherapist, I married up as well. Has not bought gasoline. She complained about the price of gasoline in 2011. So I gave her a Bitcoin card. (laughs) (laughs) They
0: had had betting
2: money on it, so she has not. uh, She has not bought gasoline since 2011. It's non-betting money. So we've gone on vacation. We've got a good time. We live in the richest country in the world. Because of my securities license, I am not allowed to uh, make money off giving picks. So I give them away for free. (laughs) So you don't have to buy picks from anybody. You can listen to our uh, podcast and you'll get the best knowledge. But we also do our best to end uh, financial illiteracy, right? So we teach business and financial concepts uh as well and we do it all through sports betting right so uh first team on is gonna be the jaguars right
1: yes almost the clock on the
2: trevor lawrence chad you saw trevor lawrence in person you worked out with him what do you what are your thoughts
4: on trevor um man yeah i mean he's a great kid good guy um i think you know the workout i did work out with him it was like right I don't, I don't know. Somebody's looked this up. I don't know if he got his surgery. He had a surgery on his off throwing shoulder. I don't know. Yeah, if it was- he, he
3: did the surgery he did it it, was yeah.
4: before, after his pro day. Did he have his pro day and then get the surgery?
3: I believe that's what happened. Yeah. I think yeah, so I, I, I think
4: Prior to that pro day and prior to the surgery. Um, I mean, it was coming out really good. It, I mean, it didn't have like, uh, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, like zip to it. Um, you know, the velocity and spin rate just maybe, but I, I think he, it was, you know, it was a workout day. It was only one day, you know, so I don't have a big body of work to say on him. Um, one thing I will say though too is like for his height and weight, I mean, what, what did he, anyone know what he weighed in at? Like around 220, 225, or is it bigger than that?
1: I only checked Somewhere the weight. The and, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
4: But, Somewhere um, in that range, I believe. He's he, He's so thin, man. Like he's got, he has like, he's going to be able to add 15, 20 pounds of muscle that should be, help him move and like get faster, more explosive, like good muscle, um, super low body fat, super lean. I mean, just like skinnier than I, than I thought he looks way bigger on TV um, than in person, like just, just this overall thickness. So, I mean, I think that's a big upside and like what he could develop into. Like, I, I I think with that factor, like he's not near his ceiling yet because he, he's going to be, you know, be, be, get bigger and stronger, faster. That being said too, I mean, a quarterback needs no no quarterback good enough to come into any franchise and change that franchise around without offensive linemen and running back people around him. So we'll see. I mean, he's a great player, but I mean, he's definitely going to need some pieces around him. He's not going to come in, in my opinion, and just like change the whole program by himself. I what do are your like Scott? Yeah, go ahead.
1: We'll go. We'll I go. chandan Scott. Yep. I. I do like the weapons they have around him. Theoretically, LaVisca Chenault can play the X. They could get him the ball in space and utilize his run after the catch ability. He's just a very big man who can overpower and run by you. And we just heard today that DJ Chark put on 10 pounds per the coach's orders, and his speed has not apparently taken a hit, which would take him from being just really a deep threat and maybe making him into more than maybe more of an alpha type and Marvin Jones comes in. I don't know how that transition is going to be. Um, usually when players who aren't superstars switch teams, it's not great, but that the good news for Trevor Lawrence is the cupboard won't be bare from day one, but Chad, you're right. Um, he's going to need help. They're going to have to upgrade that line a little bit for sure.
3: Yeah. I'm in agreement with Jim. I I think the Marvin Jones signing and the the Chenault being there for another year and chalk, also, I think Chuck could take the next step with Trevor Lawrence this year. I think he could raise his game, get more catches, more targets. Um, I think Chanel working in the slot, I think, can, can be a valuable weapon for him. I think he has some decent weapons, but I think Jacksonville will add some in day two or day three to help him out. Maybe another running back. I know Robinson is really good. I know they added Hyde, um, but maybe like a Trey Sermon in the second round, third round, maybe a Carter for out of North Carolina. Um, so if they add a couple of weapons in the draft, they can help them out. I, I don't think they're going to turn it fully around, but I think they're going to build And urban. Meyer is a, a really good coach. How he transitions to the NFL is, is going to be the question, but I, he's a, he's a coach that knows how to win and Trevor launch knows how to win too. So that's invaluable when you know how to win.
2: Right. And uh, urban Meyer. It's not gonna draft a serial killer, I would imagine. It's like the serial killer, yeah, at the University of Florida. But uh, plus, I what heard Tennessee t- Chad about Urban Meyer loving the plus one. What's my famous uh, thing about plus one? Uh, uh, it's not if coming back. Makes a first down oh. with
4: his legs. Yeah, three times.
2: Three times in a game, that team yeah. seventy-five percent of the time.
4: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And that's a reminder Remire is a plus-one guy, uh, and he's going to bring that to the NFL. Now he validates that when he was in that interview with uh, the management in Jacksonville because of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's won seventy-five percent of his games. That's what the Harbaugh family believes in. That's why they had a uh, Kaepernick. Uh, take uh, the brother of the other Harbaugh to the Super Bowl where they played each other, and uh, John Harbaugh ended up with the victory. So that's where Urban Meyer's going. Uh, Jim, let me know your thoughts on the fact that Urban Meyer is going to insist on calling at least 20 plays a game, and he's going to have his hands on that offense. And you guys are already questioning whether – it's almost like the owner of uh, the Carolina Panthers. He's a great technical knowledge, analysis hedge fund guy. Um, I always joke we are 64% NFL. He's 59% picking stocks. But he, his is billions <laughs> and billions of dollars. He, has, he had $20 billion uh, dollar hedge fund. He takes $3 billion to retire. He puts two on the Carolina Panthers – and puts 1 billion with a B in his pocket, all right? But what he's doing is taking analytics, which does not work in football, right? Analytics did not work in football, works in baseball, not football. Urban Meyer's not gonna use analytics. Uh, David Tepper is in Carolina. How do you think Urban Meyer is going to fare putting all his hands in that offense, and how long before maybe he finds out that uh, he does the Hawthorne effect that we talk about? Whatever you review and measure, you improve its performance twenty percent, ten to twenty percent. When does at what point does Urban Meyer pull the plug and say, "Hey, I'm just going to outsource all of this because my college plus one stuff is not working."
1: Honestly, we have seen a shift in the NFL over the last few years where more of these college concepts of spreading the field, getting the quick passes out to the playmakers. Um, this has been an ongoing trend. So I think there's potential that Urban Meyer may be okay with these college concepts. And I respectfully understand what you said about analytics, but maybe we're talking different um, wording here but basically the analytics movement in the nfl is this that when you put personnel groupings on the field you dictate the defense so meaning this if you go in with heavy personnel you're going to see a heavy defensive front meaning your optimal move is to pass against the light and secondary and then vice versa when you go to the multi-receiver sets then the advantage is to run the ball. And so we might be talking different types of analytics, but those analytics have consistently proven to work. And the passing game is far more effective than the running game, but that's nothing new to anybody. I do think Urban Meyer's college background lends himself to fitting in to this new paradigm that has been emerging the last few years.
3: Do we, do we know what Urban Meyer's ratio was in terms of run pass? was it like a 60 40
1: ratio or was it, I mean, here's the, here's the problem. When you're winning most of your games, it's, it's skewed. It's skewed. Right. Exactly. Because if you're winning, then you could do what you want. And if you're Ohio state or other places he's been in the past that you could just dominate teams, you don't have to worry about that. Right. Scott. But at the NFL level, completely different ball game. And the first pick looks like it's coming in here. Yep.
3: Wouldn't it be a shock if it wasn't Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> <laughs> well, because Urban Meyer loves that plus
2: one. And to answer your question, he threw about 26 times a game was, was his average. But it was a simplistic offense. Uh, the quarterback didn't have to read much things on the line. He also had one of my favorite coaches in Wilson, uh, who was offensive coordinator for Oklahoma, won a national championship with Stoops, then he goes to Indiana, and, man, there were lights out in Indiana as far as scoring a lot of points, Wilson was. And they would put specialty plays. They, they really loaded up all the specialty plays for uh, Michigan. Make sure they beat the team up north every single year. And plus one, right? Uh, you can't – as many Super Bowls as everybody has won, uh, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, all of those guys, They don't. their defense doesn't account for the quarterback. So if the quarterback can run, Nick Satan, right? Nick Satan in Alabama. Manziel beat him, right, with a plus one, right? So we uh, don't count for it. And there we go. Trevor Lawrence
3: uh, with a pretty wife now, right? He's a Christian. Yep. Tim Tebow. Lots, and- of, marriage. lots of wedding presents from the Jacksonville fans, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh. And I think that's what Jacksonville wants. I think they want, want to throw the ball 25, 30 times a game to, for Lawrence anyway. So I think right. he, he – right.
0: So,
2: oh, 100%. And then uh, about running the ball and having that advantage, right, uh, for the last uh, – you know, maybe I shouldn't say it so Vegas doesn't catch up to me, including the Super Bowl, as uh, Jim found out that 90% – last year of games in the state of Florida in the second half. The Florida team covered the second half line because I lived in 20 years of Florida and we were just talking about that. The heat and humidity in Florida, it's no joke, my friends. It's extremely hot and we were fortunate, lucky, and good to be able to monetize it.
4: Right? That's even hitting the Super Bowl.
2: Exactly. <laughs> we all made money on that one The second half Super Bowl uh, Line uh, With Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay covered all the, the only team that didn't cover the second half Line for me and it was a bad pick on my part Was Jacksonville I should trying to pick Jacksonville In the, in the second half uh, Because they well, were that Who they, they
3: beat opening week last year They beat Indianapolis, the Dome team right. Down in Jacksonville
2: So right, I mean,
0: right,
2: right. We cashed that bet uh, Trevor Lawrence, right? He can get outside the pocket. Nobody's accounting for him. Uh, he'll he'll pull the ball, right? Mm-hmm. He'll pull the ball and, yep. uh, and, and and run a bootleg to the right-hand side, right? And it'll be RPO. So there's going to be a lot of RPOs. He's going to learn how to uh, read defenses. And I think Remind's going to learn how to read defenses himself. <laughs> the difference between the NFL, right, And, Chad, uh, you can weigh in on this. Let me know. Difference between the NFL and college is that Trevor Lawrence, only in his life, especially in the ACC, had to read maybe at most 20 defenses. And the NFL is like 100. 100 different defenses is going to have to read. And then the speed of the game is a lot faster.
4: Yeah, smaller windows, faster game. It'll definitely be an adjustment. I don't think anybody can – I don't care what the level, if you're a kid in college making your first start uh, in the NFL, making it anytime you jump a level and it's your first time, it's going to be fast. There'll be an adjustment period, whether it's a game, two, three games, five games, it'll take, it'll take time for it to speed up for sure.
2: Right. And then one thing also, I remember um, early in our marriage, right? I got married in 2005, 2009, my wife, Bought a $50 ticket. She doesn't like sports. The only two sports my wife likes are hockey and boxing, <laughs> violent sports. And uh, she bought me a $50 ticket to listen to Pete Carroll and Mac Brown talk before the uh, Rose Bowl, right? And Mac Brown said, Hey, me and Pete have been coaching for the last 30 years, each of us, 60 years, right? And it, it, and it all comes up to one game. It isn't this one game, right? This game plan we've been working out for a month. It isn't the last couple months. It's the last 30 years that got us to this point. And I make the point of it is that these picks they're making, they're not just making them. These picks are six to eight months in the making. What do you think,
3: Scott? Yeah. You know, teams of scouting departments are out signing in September when college starts looking at, uh, potential quarterbacks, running back, wide receiver, whatever position um it is. And then as their seasons, NFL seasons wind down, they're doing a lot more homework because they basically know almost know where they're going to pick in the next draft if they haven't made the playoffs. It's already determined.
0: Right. So
3: they're basically if they know they're picking third or fourth, they're basically going to start looking at, well, what do we need? We need quarterback, we need whatever we need, they're going to hone in on a they need a wide receiver, it's Jamar Chase. It's the Alabama guys. If they need a quarterback, it's Mac Jones, uh, Fields, Trey Lance. So they're they're on the road from, I'd say, from late August to once the Super Bowl is, you know, once the bowl season is over. And they're looking every day, watching tape, stuff like that. So, you know, NFL scouts job is endless and, and timeless in terms of how much they have
4: to go through absolutely absolutely you guys think we're gonna get a a quarterback pick every pick the first three picks
1: I would say so and all this buzz about Zach Wilson I don't know what the Jets are seeing making him their number two but I'd be stunned if they don't go we're gonna find out in a couple seconds what do you think Chad
4: I mean I will say like we have this machine that we work out on called the 1080 motion and it tracks our peak power and Zach Wilson not saying he didn't run the fastest 40 or like, or max velocity and miles per hour per se. I think he had like, like 21 and a half miles per hour, but he did have like that. he had like over 2200 peak power, which he was the, that was the highest at that point. No one had ever hit that high. I've eventually got like a 2180 or close to it, but that's a, uh, I mean, that's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, So his potential to like create force. I mean, he's a good athlete. Is the point behind it. He, he can, uh, he's yeah, as an athlete, 2200 Watts of power. is legit.
1: Who's
2: the Jets coach? I don't even know.
1: <laughs> Robert Sala. Um, you know, and Chad, your point is phenomenal about Wilson's arm. And I think that's where he got in trouble when he did. Because when he would play tougher competition, he shrunk. And he gets greedy in his decision-making because he knows that arm. And he really puts too much faith in that arm. But you can't, as you say, you can't question the talent. He has a quick release, great athleticism. But if it's going to be... When he's facing the upper echelon of talent, that's what we're, how we're going to see things. He's in college. That's when he was not at his
3: best. Yeah. And Zach Wilson's the pick. So, he just got announced. So He's so in. I'll say here. here
4: first
2: that uh, Chad's brother, Chance Nolan, starting quarterback at your Oregon State Beavers, the better quarterback than Zach Wilson. I think he's going to be a disaster and uh, more money down the drain. It's like uh, investing in game stocks.
0: Yeah,
4: no um, Yeah, is Sam Darnold still in, in – uh, well, he's with the Jets, though? Did they let him go? No, it's Carolina. Just, Carolina, that's right. Yeah, Carolina. So they don't yeah. have – he's coming in there to start. They don't really have anybody competing. No, because like they, they traded. they traded Bridgewater a couple days ago
3: to Denver, so he was supposed to be the backup, but now – He's in Denver, so
4: yeah, that's why they're
3: saying Carol, Carolina, Michael quarterback.
4: So Zach, so Zach Wilson's going to be the starter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I don't even know who their backup
1: is at this point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So this is where the draft gets interesting. Now everybody's been having their mind on what the 49ers are going to do. And we don't know if trades are going to be involved with Aaron Rodgers news today, but unlikely there, but people seem to say Mac Jones, Adam Schefter had actually referenced that. And when he references something he's rarely wrong, but now we're going to find out what the truth is and what the fiction is.
4: My prediction, it's good quarterback. It's either going to be Trey Lance fields or who'd you just say? Um, Yeah. Mac Jones. Yeah, Jones, Fields, or Lance. That has got to be one of those three.
3: Now, I heard before I came on, Rappaport saying there's there's a little momentum going toward Trey Lance for this pick, that Shanahan might go with Trey Lance instead of Mac Jones. I don't think so, but that's what he said about an hour ago.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to find out what they're going to go here. I do think at the end of the day, Mac Jones with his accuracy and decision-making – Shanahan gets the ball out quickly, creates mismatches, and he has three phenomenal run-after-the-catch uh, options, in NIU, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. And just to have somebody to execute that consistently, that would put that offense on a plane that would be borderline unstoppable. Um, I, so I'm really wondering, if he goes with somebody with the athleticism, that really could change the quick-strike offense idea that he has set up with those receivers. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be interested to see what happens here.
3: And to that point, I think I read Mac Jones's completion percentage in intermediate routes from 10 to 20 yards was the highest in college football. So that works to Shanahan's advantage. But, again, Shanahan's staff was in charge of Trey Lance's second pro day. So, what is, I mean, what does that work into? Yeah,
2: in Alabama, he had that big offensive line. He had all day to throw. Uh, and you're going to the, you know, the skill set guys he had, uh, you know, the, you know he, he really had an advantage. Another guy that I'm not I'm not really impressed with this, uh, this draft as far as uh, the quarterbacks are concerned, which, you know, which is good news for the chance Nolans of the world. And uh, to backtrack a little bit, to, uh, because we'll have a written portion of this, which is going to be phenomenal. And I'll shoot it back to the guys and they'll shoot it back to me. We're going to have so much information. People can monetize. But to shoot back at um, or to handle to be complete thorough about analytics. When I'm saying about analytics, it's the cybermetrics part of analytics. The Everything, taking it through a chart and putting it through uh, De Desta, whatever his name is. He was in Moneyball. And then he went to the Cleveland Browns, 0 and 16. And I can't say who exactly who my clients are, but one of my clients has a World Series ring. She has a doctorate in math from MIT. She has a successful consulting firm in analytics, right? And she will not take an NFL client because, from a math perspective. The reason analytics does not work from a purely math perspective in the NFL or in football period is because you have, in her words, I'll I'll quote her directly, you have around 42 people who can affect the outcome of a play. You have coaching staffs. And then you got special teams. She said special teams really puts it questionable from a mathematical perspective. Uh, and what I'm thinking of is, remember our good friend, Bill O'Brien. He's up, by, he's up by 26 points.
1: Oh,
2: right. It, it, what, it, it, what, uh, it, what does the, the punter do? You know, that fake punt, you know, it, it was, so I, I thought of her, I'm like, Oh yes, that's why analytics does not work in football. And then to validate me, well, I've made money off of it, right? So whatever we talk about is things that we put our money where our mouth is. We've been able to monetize and have profit for 12 years to help others uh, get profit. So I put my money where my mouth is, and, and it started with that. Uh, uh, I forgot that he was a black offensive coordinator for USC, and then he's the head coach uh, for the Cleveland the Cleveland Clowns when they went 0-16. <laughs> 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 you know, it, it was full. It was the first year Paul did Pedestra as the you know assistant. Uh, you know, and, and for Haslam, the 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 owner of the Cleveland Browns, it's not like the SEC where you can cheat. <laughs> you can just be players would be good because he's a he's a big donor for the University of Tennessee and Fat Phil Formler, who who was who was, uh, was no longer the
1: athletic director for the football team. I tell you, why
0: yeah,
1: go ahead. That, that front office in Cleveland got a raw deal because they put together this bevy of draft picks and some developmental players who they had drafted, like they were going to take a while to develop. And those were a lot of the building blocks that turned into what's made them now a successful team. But they got the mat pulled out under their feet. And that, that really was not good because they really set that team up for long term success.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what are your thoughts right now? First round, the
3: San Francisco. 49 well, the, pick, pick is is the, pick, the pick is in. the pick. The is in. So I'll right. be interested to see. I thought I heard Rappaport say that it might be Trey Lance. Wow. Because I'm watching, I'm watching NFL Network now. He said they were sold on Mac Jones when they traded it up, but now they're talking about Trey Lance. So I wonder if that's where the, where they're going. We got John Lynch, yeah. and.
2: Again, I always say it's better to be lucky than good. First time I saw John Lynch was going to the Tampa Bay Bucks training camp. This was with uh, Tony Dungy, his first year, and I didn't know what I was watching, but I was watching. Uh, Ray uh, Marinelli was a defensive line coach. Uh, the linebackers coach was Lovey Smith. Went to a Super Bowl. He's a defensive coordinator, making a million dollars a year as a defensive coordinator for your Texas Longhorns. Your uh, your uh, assistant intern was Mike Tomlin. <laughs> Trey Lance. Trey, Trey Lance is the pick. The secondary coach. <laughs> Who is it?
3: Trey Lance.
2: Trey Lance. Tell us about Trey
0: Lance.
3: Oh, uh, He opted out this, this year because they played in the spring, I believe, um, okay. but undefeated. Uh, As a quarterback, 17-0, I believe. Very athletic. Um, You know, I guess he's a really cool customer under pressure. So, we'll see. I mean, there's not a lot. I guess San Francisco is going a different way. Would this be a trade, maybe? It's possible.
1: So, my scouting that I've uh, amassed on Trey Lance is the positives. Good deep ball passer. A lot of torques generated. Very much a threat with his legs. And then the negatives come. He lacks anticipation. Very inconsistent release and follow through. And this is one that really stuns me with Shanahan going after him. The short accuracy is often lacking. He doesn't tend to lead his receivers. And that is really problematic when you have George Kittle and Brandon IU and Debo Samuel, those three. And I mentioned this earlier, great run after to catch. It, t- it was a medicine ball last year that put Kittle on the shelf, that it was a poorly thrown ball. And those and I'm going to call them assets. I don't mean to, you know, devalue them, but those assets need to be protected. And if your quarterback is, has short accuracy issues and lacks anticipation, I hope Shanahan sees something that the scouting film doesn't see on him.
3: Well, I, 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 yeah,
0: I'm,
3: stu- I'm stunned. I I was, I thought it was Mac Jones all along, but, I mean, this makes me think that. That maybe it's something that Rogers stuff, maybe not. I don't know, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see what, what happens in the next week or so.
2: What I'm thinking is that he can run right, and uh, John Lynch, being a defensive guy, wants to control the ball. That plus one, it's worked with Lamar Jackson, uh, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, uh, Nick Satan. All of them have won what? 14 Super Bowls and national championships not accounting for the quarterback. So why am I going to argue with them right? All I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bet on the running quarterback <laughs> He catch my tickets when they go against uh, those guys And then you look at Russell Wilson right Russell Wilson he's on Seattle he's done a great job because of his legs right he can' his escapability, his ability to evade uh, a pass rush right? So North Dakota I mean, State, the other thing too, uh, last year, we'll do it again this year. Last year when we were going through the conferences and the coach at Kansas, Kansas, state climbing, he came from South Dakota state and we're talking about what a great coach he was. The person we had on the podcast said that South Dakota state was better than the eight or nine teams in the big 12. That is a very, very good program. Uh, on the uh, Division two level. And uh, I don't know. Uh, who came from South Dakota
4: State? Wentz? Uh, Wentz came from – did he come from North Dakota? Yeah, no, same school as Trey Lance, yeah, North Dakota State.
0: Yeah, so
2: he's, he's from North Dakota State. And the jury's still out on Carson Wentz. What do you think about Carson Wentz,
3: Scott? Is he a bust or does he – he, can he come back? He can come back. Let's see what he does. Does in Indianapolis. I mean, there's not, I mean, other than Pittman and Hilton, they don't really have a tight end. So I'm thinking Zach Ertz is going to end up there somehow, some way. Um, It's still out. The jury's still out. Let's see what he does in Indianapolis with a, uh, with a good running attack, uh, a good line, um, some decent wide receivers better than he had in Philly, maybe um, this past year. So uh, I'm still looking at him as a, uh, as a guy that can throw for close to 4,000 yards, maybe 30 touchdowns, run for three or four touchdowns in about 500 yards. So, um, Jerry's still out.
2: Yeah, right, Reich did a good job simplifying the offense for him and getting him going in, in Philadelphia. And I think he'll do the same. I think it's more Reich than anything else. Reich uh, yep. really got Philadelphia to the Super Bowl because after they left, Peterson was a complete <laughs> disaster. <laughs> I hate to see him go because I love betting against him, but <laughs> – like my infantry.
4: <laughs> man. That last that last game of the year, or whatever the one against the uh, the Redskins, that was what a game. Completely blew the game. We haven't seen many. We haven't seen that happen many times. No.
0: And, and the Jim, word tell us was, about this, I
1: do it real quick. I'll be right back. Yep. So the word about that game was Philly actually tanked it for a draft spot, and if that was the case, then. Yeah, it was horrible, but you wonder why more teams needing draft capital don't take those last week games as much well as just lay down, um, yeah. because at that point, players are a lot more checked out anyway, but you're absolutely right, Chad. It was just a horrific performance we saw. Now, right I know, I know, Josh, When me talk about um, Carson Wentz a little bit. I think the biggest deal with him in Indy is he goes back to having another good offensive line. In his first year or two in Philly he was well protected and then injuries aging it just really decimated that line and then we saw a player with a lot of flaws but as Josh also mentioned that we know Frank Reich understands the strengths of Carson Wentz and he can get the most out of him here mo alley cox is probably going to move into a more prominent role as a receiving tight end he did show well last year but they kept putting trey burton on the field and in terms of like the short area tight end jack doyle is functional in that manner and we also know they like to throw their running backs and jonathan taylor is really a deal here yeah um, so anybody else have thoughts on that yeah i'm
3: i'm in some of the best balls i've already done i've or an early pick. I've been tagging a Jonathan Taylor because I think he's just going to have a monster year this year. Um, you know, I know Miles max signed back, but how effective is he going to be coming off the the? I think it was Achilles injury, right? Yeah. So how effective is he going to be coming back? Usually it takes two years before you uh, before you're you're back to full effectiveness. So Jonathan Taylor is going to take over that backfield in a major way. I think.
1: Chad, what are you thinking about? Carson Wentz as he goes to the Indianapolis Colts
4: um so I will say I trained with uh, Michael Pittman Jr. and Desmond Patman uh Desmond is a uh, he, he was on the 53 man roster this whole last season he didn't he didn't play much but I mean he was on the 53 man he was just kind of like that number six receiver um so I, I got you know I got I know those two guys pretty well um Pitt really, you know, is taking his speed. Um, You know, he broke 22 miles per hour. He's taking his his speed to another level. He looks good, man. He's big, physical. Like, he had a great rookie year. Like, Pitt's going to – he's going to do his thing. He's going to be a solid. You know, Carson Wentz is out here working with uh, Des and and Pitt. Oh, you know, at Golden West, they're getting throwing sessions in. So, I know um, that chemistry, I feel like, is really important. You know, getting – quarterbacks and receivers getting together. I mean, you can go down the list. You know, Manning, Breeze ready they all get fly their receivers out and work with them and that that is uh you know that, that that's really important so i, I mean I, I i see the uh the foundations being being put in um i think desmond too in year two he's a guy you guys haven't really seen you know he's a six five 220 pound guy legit you know four four speed vertically down the field 40 inch work and go get the ball um he, he's a stud so he might kind of make a breakout and kind of be be able to get on the scene this year as, an, as another receiver. A lot, I mean, his upside is amazing. I mean, in high school, this kid, literally the offense for his team was just jump all to him every play, and, and they were very successful just doing that. So it'll be cool to see Desmond hit the scene and Pitt, Pitt's, you know, doing his thing. So I think they're in a good spot. I think, uh, I think they're in a good spot to make a run this year.
1: That's exciting. Very, very exciting here, actually. And so, yes, and as we see here, um, the Falcons have picked number four, Kyle Pitts. Um, So now, assuming no trades, they're going to have Julio Jones. Not sure what his health will be like. Hopefully great. Kelvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. We know rookie tight ends do take a while to acclimate. But is he the player that could break that trend? Scott, what are your thoughts on Kyle Pitts going to the Atlanta Falcons here?
3: I love it. I think uh, Pitts can uh, uh, set out in the slot. Um, I think he he's as uncoverable a pass catcher as there is has been in the last few years. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of speed. Um, he he looks he looks in phenomenal shape. I mean, look at just the highlight they're showing now on NFL Network. He was he was slotted out wide, and then he went to the slot. So I'm sure Arthur Smith, the new coach in Atlanta, is going to line him up all over the place and make it a, a nightmare for, for defenses to cover him. I mean, he can, he can run slants. He can, I'm just watching the highlights now. He ran an in and out just a minute ago. So, I mean, this, this guy, it might take him a little bit, depending on what, what the offseason programming is like in terms of what the NFL does. But I think once he grasps this offense, this Atlanta offense, I think he's going to be a stud for years to come. And I don't know what it does to Hayden Hurst, but, um, but this is the guy he had to take for Atlanta, especially if they're going to trade Julio. I mean, the rumors are out there that Julio might be get dealt. If he doesn't get dealt, who, who, I mean, Pitts, Ridley, Julio, um, Mike Davis is, a, is an X factor in the backfield if they don't take a running back. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff on the plate for defenses to look at with this guy with this team
1: yeah, yeah I,
0: go ahead go
1: ahead i didn't know you're back i'm glad I'm going to jump right
2: back, yeah, in, Josh. I'm back i'm just uh i switched the camera around so the people on youtube can see everybody but i'll throw this out let me know what you guys think chad what you think is you played college football since we're putting a lot of money i put a thousand dollars each game so this is hard-earned money i put on each game so i take a deep dive my wife has been a psychotherapist for 17 years so you know where i'm going uh From the neck down, this guy, Kyle Pitts, is amazing. But he only played one year in Florida because he's basically a criminal. He didn't go to school. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. So you only as good of an athlete as he is. He can only play one year. And after that year was done, he couldn't wait to get him out of Gainesville. Right? Right? And you're talking about Gainesville, the Aaron Hernandez Gainesville, the other serial killer, Gainesville. They couldn't get he couldn't wait to get Kyle Pitts out of it. So, how do you, as far as the team is concerned, Chad, how does that play in, right? You got a guy who has ridiculous talent, but from the neck up, he could be a problem.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's tough. I mean, I, I, I'm having to deal with stuff like that today. You know, we got our arena team put together, and we got a group chat. You know, our quarterback's driving down from, uh, you know, like North LA, I mean, like, Palmdale Bakersfield way up there three hours and, and and you know guys aren't can't even show up and um you know we're a week out from camp and guys can't make an hour drive when a quarterback's making a two and a half hour drive and stuff like that and I mean yeah it's I mean just with this arena team that's that's causing a problem with guys just not you know showing up and not putting in the work so yeah I mean um it's a huge problem in college I dealt with that too I, my, my college team struggled we, you know we didn't we didn't win a lot of game. We weren't a winning team and the atmosphere, the weight room was a bunch of guys like that. Didn't work hard, just, you know, skipped reps in the weight room and, you know, you can't, yeah, that, I mean, that type of stuff, you, you can't win with that. So, I mean, hopefully, um, you know, he, you know, I, I don't know too much about his situation and everything about him, but yeah, I mean, you can't one, I mean, it only takes one guy to be a cancer to the team. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think regardless, I mean, no matter how talented he is, that's, that's got to be addressed right away. I mean, who nobody wants to be around or have, you know, you're only as good as your weakest link.
2: Right. So, and then a guy like that, give him what, a 10 million, 10, 15 million signing bonus?
4: Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, for the number four pick, he's going to make it, make a nice dollar. You think COVID is going to help that situation? Scott,
2: <laughs> you're not going to be able to go out and meet as many people as he would normally.
3: Right. And I I think the NFL is going to keep the same structure in place as they did last year in terms of COVID. I mean, I don't, I don't see that changing before the season starts. So, um, unless, you know, all of a sudden the NFL just loosens it up and everything else, which I think they're trying to, but I I think that'll help. I think that the, uh, they've got a good locker room in terms of guys. I think that will help too. That'll keep that'll quote unquote, rein them in and keep them under control. Um, so the culture of the locker room will be really key to, to that team. And right. I think Julio right. can be a key part of that if he stays, because he's been in Atlanta for a decade.
4: Right. So I think
3: right. he can he could talk to him, he could tell him what to do, what not to do, where to go, where not to go. So I I think keeping Julio, I know he's a huge cap dollar and he's probably going to get traded, but a guy like that, if you could keep him under, under wraps and keep him in control. Um the longer you can do that, the better off it'll be and, and you'll get ultra pro, ultra production out of him. So right, right.
2: in Alabama guys, because uh Nick Stanton did coach in the NFL for a couple years. He, he's very thorough. He, he he lets them act, you know, and I'll explain after we let Jim talk about how he feels about talent, right? The guys that are really, you know, neck down, neck up situation.
1: I missed part of that question, Josh. You're gonna have to fire that one at me one more time.
2: Sure. Uh, you got guys, uh, when Chad, Chad spoke to it, guys who are phenomenal from the neck down. And this is a Barry Switzer. Oh, good old Barry Switzer from Oklahoma won the national championship Won a Super Bowl, too, with your Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he talks about guys that are great from the neck up or horrible from the neck up, but great from the neck down. Great, phenomenal athletes. But dumb as a box of rocks, right? Uh, a golf because now your starting quarterback for Detroit, right? Uh, in um, in Hard Knocks, he didn't know that the sun rose in the in the east and <laughs> sets in the west <laughs> or whatever, whatever that is. He didn't know it. Uh, he had problem reading defenses, right? He, he couldn't read defenses for Boy Wonder uh, McVeigh. And I remember I was at training camp and I was noticing that and I got a really mean look from his because because he knew that I knew what was going
0: on.
2: <laughs> his quarterback wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. And he gave me a mean look. Right. But I'm bigger than than McVeigh.
0: <laughs>
2: so that look they didn't go too long. But uh, what is so what are your thoughts on that whole situation? How do you
1: mitigate? Right. You simplify things as much as possible. And I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, it's like life as well. You play to strengths and you minimize weaknesses. And in wow. coaching, it's no different. I mean, it's a basic plan. But that's where we go. And I see they're announcing the fifth pick right now.
3: Jamar Chase.
1: So Joe Burrow's going to be under siege again. Yep. Wow. Yeah. No, no, no. I can't.
0: I can't
4: figure it out. <laughs> Say that. Joe Burrow yeah. out in California right now throwing. Oh wow. I just saw him with uh Jordan Palmer who trains all the quarterbacks That's out Right,
2: you day. talked about him. So to, uh, speak to him. What what are your thoughts on Mr. Lance? Uh, uh on who? On on um Vertis?
4: Yeah. I'm just I was just talking about Joe Burrow. That Joe Burrow he's off the surgery, he's throwing, he's out in California. I saw him throwing today a little uh, bit. Uh, Burrow. On That's right. That's right. He's uh he's coming back, you know, he's on the on the road to recovery.
2: Right. And what you said about Joe Burrows, what I like about him is his swagger. He's a cool dude, right? He's a nice guy. Oh, yeah. Swagger, yeah. very, very confident guy.
4: I spent last offseason with him. Yeah, man. He's just super cool, calm, collected, just you know, doesn't really talk too much, works hard. I mean, he throws, I mean, great ball, man. Accuracy, like one of the most accurate throwers, definitely. I have ever been around. I mean, he puts he it's on the money, like his back shoulder stuff. It's 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 next level he's yeah this guy's the
2: monster
4: did you work out with uh jamar chase as well no no i haven't um but i know tj hushmanzada who i trained with quite a bit um we got a lot of receivers out there that, that work with tj um but he, he's he has worked with jamar chase and he was telling us that yeah he thinks that jamar is legit the best receiver in this draft so i mean and tj knows his stuff so that's a oh, not a few guys with that pick
2: None of these guys are there for academics, especially Coach O. And uh, what I love about Coach O in uh, Louisiana, he has that that really hard Cajun accent. You know, the hardcore Louisiana, (laughs) uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana people say that Coach O is the first coach in LSU in 50 years who did not have an accent. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, this guy's a monster, man. Julio Jones. uh, All those guys that come from the South. He's tall. He's fast. Uh, Cincinnati is owned by the Brown family. So the NFL, each team operates different, right? I have a friend of mine who works in the front office for an NFL team. He's worked for five NFL teams. He's he's always shocked, right? Because he has an MBA that all teams operate different. There isn't like a best practices manual or anything. So every team does. No matter what's it, you know, it's an eighteen is eighteen billion dollar business, right? In a one trillion with a T dollar market. So you got people like the Heinz family that owns the Chiefs. Uh, You have David Tepper, right? So they don't care. They do what they want. <laughs> He can't sit in the act with the odor. But uh, the Brown family is not on that level. I mean, they're rich in our standards. You know, I wish I had $400 million cash sitting in the
0: bank. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but they're poor against the Heinz family, right? So the Heinz family, when you think of the Heinz family, you think of catch up. And the husband of the matriarch of the Heinz family for the Kansas City Chiefs, her husband is John Kerry, right? And John Kerry won the Democratic uh, nomination, right? He lost against
0: uh,
2: Bush Jr. He was Secretary of State for Obama, and now he's back in there as a climate change. So what I'm saying is the Honeys family has $40 billion with a B. The Brown family has $400 million, so they try to be as cheap as possible. I call them a cheapo franchise like the Spanoses. We just found out that the lords Slumlords, uh, Greek Mafia, they're broke, right? <laughs> because they have to kick up. They have 100 owners. It's the mob. So you have to kick up. You can't just keep the profit. So the, the Chargers are a cheap franchise, all right? So watch him hold out, right? They're not gonna <laughs> He's not going to get paid did, for a did, long time. that happen like
3: about... Didn't that happen like three years ago, four years ago? They didn't sign their draft pick to, like just before camp started. Exactly in Cincinnati, yeah. some something like that. You're right. right. They they just don't pay it. So he basically they probably listened to Burrow on this pick more than they more than they listened to the the scouting department because Burrow was all about getting Chase all does. along. So. What scouting department? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true,
2: true.
4: <laughs> and they needed to replace john Ross we were, uh, they, let, they let John Ross go to the Giants they needed they needed to fill that spot
2: and you worked, and they, worked out with John ross too right
4: yeah I worked out I worked out with john yep
2: yeah. so so it's, it's funny because i guess he's now the um def- he took him to the playoffs six years in a row but um i know a friend of mine who was a linebacker in the league who was friends with him he's not a uh, defensive coordinator at arizona state with herm edwards and he would laugh he would say that uh that guy had like a hundred jobs he was a scouting department um his name escapes me but yeah the 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 bengals only have like one scout (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay it's it's bare bones uh your system gm is uh, mike brown the son. (laughs) they they have the smallest cheapest front office in the nfl (laughs) So Joe Burrow was a scout. Joe Burrow made the, made, the, made this pick. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Well, he had plenty of time. He got
3: injured. So yeah.
4: Is he is he looking good, Burrow, in terms of moving around and stuff? Uh he's I mean it was just kind of throwing in place, but I mean he was throwing 40, 50 yards, putting some zip on it. So he's putting, you know, and I believe it's his it's his yeah, it's his front knee. So it's not the back plant leg. Okay. So I mean, I think you know. I mean, he should. I mean, what are we at? Um, April, May, June. I mean, he, he should. He should be good. To, I mean, make a run for it. I don't know. You know, it's it's going to be. A, so those injuries are kind of just always different and, and always up to him. You know, I mean, right. I think right. obviously the longer you rest it, you know, the better chance it's going to be more healed and like just common sense wise. But I mean, there's always that like you know trying to get back and yeah, you know, the, the doctor, mental aspect, the, the mental aspect of it too. Exactly, you know that doctors and the x-rays are telling you yeah your, your knee's good but you're still like man i don't yeah i, I don't know right. i mean I, i've never suffered a catastrophic injury like that so i mean i right. i can't really i can't even speak on it but i'm sure there's got to be a i mean a, a trust issue a mental block i mean you kind of hear about it you know people just not trusting to put their full weight into that plant you know it's going to be a process exactly so. exactly
1: now, I was on a show last week with um, an analyst from Cincinnati area, Dan Claskins, and he's very connected in with the local media and the reports as backing up what Chad says on Burrow are very exciting. They are very optimistic. He's ahead of schedule they're fully expecting to be ready by week one and to look like the player he was before the injury. And of course, Chad understood more of the intricacies of this, but, but yes, the team is very excited. He'll be ready to roll.
0: That,
2: that's the problem though, right? It's the cheap offensive line. So the yep. cheap offensive line got the poor guy hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's, it, that's I predicted saying. it, man. I predicted it last draft. I was like, I pray to God every day. I have Joe Burrow in my prayers. He doesn't get hurt behind that cheap offensive line. And that's what ended up happening. So, Jim, what do you think about Jalen Weddle, number six pick to your Miami Dolphins?
1: Yes. So, first of all, this is one of many receivers in this class who are super small five foot nine, 180 pounds. He will only project as a slot receiver you see we can't put the tag outlier on everybody outliers are outliers for a reason you want to talk about steve smith being small probably you know future hall of famer but you can't say every small guy is steve smith and so yeah very small quick but he has quick twitch rare speed he does dominate at the college level He did not test, so we don't know what his athletic measurables are. But yes, he's going to come in as a slot receiver. And he certainly has a chance to be very good, but it's going to be some very outlier qualities, is the only way he's at his size. He's going to be able to make that big leap into the NFL. Thoughts?
4: Was was he hurt?
3: During the year, didn't he just come yeah, back to play. the championship game or something? He limped.
4: He limped around the chain, caught a catch, and limped out of bounds, and his ankle was still hurting the championship that's,
3: game.
4: Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. So,
3: is this think- a tour? Is this a tour thing to make him feel comfortable having one of his guys
4: down with well, Why not Devonte Smith? I don't understand. You yeah. know, that's what I would think. That's ridiculous. I mean, come on, you're taking the guy who's like, the Heisman or or the guy who didn't play.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, <laughs> the only thing I can think of, right, is the ownership group. Is their very cheap ownership group down there in uh, Miami? Maybe they thought they could pay less money for a similar guy, but I, uh, I, I really don't trust this guy. I don't like his body language. Uh, I'm surprised uh, Satan put him, let him, let him on the field as long as he did. <laughs> And the reason I call uh, Nick Satan, Nick Satan, was is because during and I'm old man. Uh, this was during when they had that uh, the guy that played Satan on uh, Saturday Night Live. He kind of looks like uh, <laughs> Nick Saban, and uh, Nick Saban came to a press conference, and I was in my lunch break at work. I was dispatching trucks for AAA, working my way through college, and Nick Satan <laughs> comes on the news conference like the president or something, and he says. Under no circumstances will I leave the Miami Dolphins to go to Alabama.
0: <laughs> and
2: one of the big donors for Alabama was Hugh Culverhouse, and Hugh Culverhouse uh, was was the owner of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and he used to lose on purpose, right? He he said he lost on purpose. This is published reports because uh, Tampa Bay only had a. 14,000 medium incomes, he would say. So why is he going to spend money for people who can't afford to go to the games? That's what that's what he said. And what I know was that when he interviewed Buddy Ryan, my friend says, hey, you got to help me caddy because Hugh Colerhouse doesn't tip, but he won't give you his business card and business advice. <laughs> you can call him anytime if you have a question, but it's like 90 degree heat, 90% humidity again in Florida. And he's... Uh, golfing with Buddy Ryan. And Buddy Ryan gave us a $1,000 tip. This is 1989. He didn't take the job, though. Neither did Pippen Box else to be the Tampa Bay Bucks head coach. But Hugh Culverhouse was the donor at Alabama that (laughs) (laughs) bribed... Nick Saint to go from the Miami Dolphins, his direct competitor in Florida, to be the head coach of Alabama a year before he died. And also, uh, Hugh Culverhouse gave his wife $10 million and four of his mistresses $20 million cash in his will. So you got the Detroit.
3: And who do we pick here? I don't know. The the Detroit uh, War Room is jumping up and down and high five everybody else. So uh,
4: they, they're, they're really excited about this. They got someone good.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yes, someone fell to them who they didn't think was coming because with Chase and Waddle both going that early, if they wanted a quarterback to you know let Goff Bridge to, then they do they have took, their choice of Fields or Mac Jones, depending what they like. They, they took school. So Oh, that exactly. was a big fall. That's a big fall. So what's the breakdown? That breakdown of this guy, Jim. He is the best tackle in this class. Slater, there could be a, a slight argument made, but really, this is not much of one. He can, he's a very, very mobile player for a man his size, 330 pounds. And he this whole class we have a problem with the arm length of these tackles. They, like none of the big ones have 34 inch length of arms. And it's supposedly a big deal because in once you break down in coverage, longer arms help you extend to play out, but he does have the traits and I'm going to look up a couple of my notes on him right here. And what I say is his, he has strength, and then he has fundamentals at all levels of blocking, pass blocking, run blocking, but he is completely dominant as a run blocker. Uh, his core strength is amazing. He probably just needs to make some minor adjustments in his is um fundamentals to be an elite pass protector because sometimes he plays a little bit with his hands too wide and he could be a little bit rigid in pass protection but these are minor details he should be a very very good player to start and he has the potential ceiling of being an annual pro bowl player all
0: right and, and, and this,
3: this could this could make deandre swift an absolute monster this year too because their line is going to be re- could be really good if Sewell gets it, so this this could be really good news for DeAndre Swift in terms of, of his production next year and what he does. What are your thoughts, Chad Nolan?
4: Man, I mean, I don't, I I don't got too much to say really. I think I mean they're just they got golf. They're looking to get him a little protection. I mean, offensive linemen are are you know they're not the the, the sexy pick, but uh, they're very much important to the to any team. So. I mean, Jacksonville could have used, could've used uh, some guy. I mean, there's a bunch of teams that uh, need linemen. So, I mean, I, 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 kudos to them for taking the best lineman in the draft, you know?
3: Right. You also, you also look at the head coach. And Dan Campbell's a, an in-your-face type of coach. So, what does he want to do? He wants to play tough, tough, tough ball, control both sides on the line. And that means running the ball as much as possible. Um, look at his offense coordinator, Anthony Lynn. You know he's he's a running backs guy. So right. that's I mean that staff is just screams. Let's run the ball thirty times every every week, and let's try to control the clock in the game at mm-hmm. uh, the line of
4: scrimmage. So, so uh, do do the lines have a left tackle? Is this going to be the right tackle, or is he going to be a? Because you said mentioned he's more of a run blocker, then his pass needs a little bit of technique work. Just a little. I think he
1: projects coming in as an above-average starter, but the little bit of fundamental work he needs is what would make him an elite player. I think he's an automatic left tackle day one. They do not have a dominant line in Detroit. They have a couple of pieces that are serviceable to maybe slightly above average, but he definitely pencils it as a left tackle from day one. Right, and that's why I say that
2: the reason we got 65 and we want to shoot for 70 – Uh, 75% NFL is because you start picking games now. What am I saying? The Lions games are going under, my friends. you got the next thing, Connection, right? You have uh, Mario Cristobal. Number one rule of betting, never bet your own team. Uh, Mario Cristobal is a Cuban control-free coach, me being as a fellow Cuban, (laughs) Uh, biased towards Mario Cristobal, right? Uh, He's like the Jets coach, really in shape goes out there and uh, does a lot of working out in your face coach, but who is Mario Cristobal, head coach of Oregon, mentored by Nick Satan, right? And Nick Satan is run the ball and play defense type guy. Uh, I'm surprised he's not fully set with all his techniques, man. Uh, he looks great. His whole family looks like they can play. <laughs> you know, those are big dudes there. Uh, and Mario Cristobal, University of Oregon, Here in the West Coast, all you heard was, hey, these guys on the Oregon team, all these guys can play. So they were six deep in that Oregon uh, offensive line, and that offensive line won the Rose Bowl and won the Pac-10 title two years in a row. Mario Cristobal was your offensive line coach for Nate Sainz, and he has Six uh, national championship rings, but his sixth ring was with your Miami Hurricanes, 1991, Dennis Erickson. And it's a small world, right? Because Dennis Erickson mentored Jonathan Smith. Jonathan Smith is the head coach of Oregon State. And our guy, Chance Nolan, is your <laughs> starting quarterback for your Oregon State Beavers. So uh, corporate governance. Fundamental analysis, and when you make investments, that's why you analyze all this. And Mario Cristobal, you know, you think about how many first round draft picks at the University of Alabama did he mentor, recruit, and won national championships with? And now uh, he has another first round draft pick as the head coach of the university. Of Oregon. So
3: he knows how to pick offensive linemen, I would say. And and I think to that point, if Aaron Rodgers gets traded out of the division, I think that whole division, you could you could score unders a lot of their games. There won't be much scoring in that division. Minnesota might be the highest scoring team in that division. So 100 percent. 100 percent. Just
1: realize that the first six picks were skill position players and that's a fantasy football trap. that rarely happens. And yeah, obviously the seventh pick Sewell, another offensive player, but yeah, so that's, that's a very interesting, no defense yet.
3: That just JC Horn just went off the the board for Carolina.
1: So so the Broncos were able to sit tight and they can get a quarterback. Now they can go Justin Fields, probably long shot Mac Jones. Wow. And and the other thing
3: is, is for me, the Patriots might get a quarterback at 15 too, because I don't see between Denver and New England, a team looking to get a quarterback, maybe Philly, maybe, but other than that. So the Patriots might be in line to grab Mac Jones. Probably. I would would assume he's going to be the guy that goes 15. So who's Bill Belichick's best friend?
2: Nick Satan.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: That's awesome.
2: So, yeah, absolutely. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, the Panthers, Matt Roll, I love him, man. I mean, the man knows how to make money, Penn State guy. We had John Bronson from Penn State on the podcast. Uh, man, it's very very interesting, this J.C. Horn guy. I saw him a lot this year. And when I was watching South Carolina games – I, I, I would smell. I'm like, whoa, is that toast I'm smelling all the way at the West Coast from this guy? So I'm surprised he's drafted in the first round. Uh, I saw him get beat a lot. He, he, he isn't big. But uh, they're making Matt Rule and that whole that whole uh, scouting department, David Temper. they're looking at a chart in a cubicle, looking at numbers, deciding on this on a Cybermetric model. Let's see how it works out.
3: Uh, Did Carolina go heavy defense last year too all, in the draft? All defense. All the defense. That's draft. what I thought. Yep. So that's where he's building his defense through the draft. That I'm. I'm assuming.
1: So, Josh, you are absolutely correct on some of your analysis of J.C. Horn. And where he struggles, though, is in off-man coverage. That's where he has his biggest problems. And he sometimes will get too handsy down the field, and he'll take penalties needlessly. Now, his strengths, though, if you put him in press man, he's very solid, very strong, uh, great ball skills, transitions well. But So I, I would assume if Carolina did their homework, they're going to want to play man coverage. And if they do, then J.C. Horn makes sense for them. If it was more of a zone team, they would probably shy away from J.C. Horn. So, again, assuming they did their homework, and we can never assume they do, uh, that would be the pick for a, again, press man. That's a strength.
2: Yeah, no, I got a question. I'm cheating because we've talked about this before. What are your feelings on uh, a guy who could play Right versus the guy who has all these measurables, and I kind of think of the of the thought process: how you hated how your coach was like the defense dictates the play, right? Other than maybe the matchup when when you had you had your defensive guy beat, but well, they wouldn't go to you because the defense dictates where the ball goes. That type of logic.
4: Yeah. No. Yeah. That's uh. That's tough. I, that, that's not a, that's not a good strategy to use. I mean, I think, you know, you got Tyree Kill. you got good players, you know, top receivers in the league, the best players need, are, are going to get touches. They're going to give them fly sweeps, get the ball in their hand, run screens, give it to them down the field. You got it. You know, you, you got to attack, um, you, you know, you, you got to attack with your best players and find, find the mismatches. And I mean, the defense, the, the defense is dictating, you know, where you go with the ball is ridiculous. You know, that can't be a, a successful strategy because it's just, You know, you're going to let them take away your best players because of how they line up? No.
2: And then measurables versus a guy who can play, guys who are practice players versus guys who are gamers.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you can't, you know, the the measurables, they're great tools, you know, like the 40 and the vertical. They're really just, like, tools that help you play the game well. Like, they're not necessarily, you know, they're not completely necessary, but they help you in certain times, you know, when you are beat, when you are, you know, so – having those tools, but just because a guy has those tools doesn't mean, you know, he's not, um, you know, sometimes as a DB being too fast is like something I can use against you. Like if I know you're like a four, two, four, you know, like super fast guy and and, and I, I know I'm fast and I've, I've ran down the field on you. Sometimes you get those guys, you know, you get, get them going uh, that you get them going that four, two, the wrong way. It's pretty easy to go the other way and, and get some separation. So. Um, right, it, It's not always a, a indicator. I mean, It's 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 a good you know it's a great tools it shows he's got in his toolkit these uh these abilities but um it's not an end all be all definitely you know there's guys that just they they they're gamers they understand the game the the chess match of it um because that's really what it comes down to as a receiver DB like it's really a chess match like I'm giving you a certain release I'm setting you up because I know I'm gonna come back to something later um and that's like because I mean as you get to the higher levels, higher levels, everyone's a good athlete. You know what I'm saying? Everyone's, you know, if I, everyone's out there is running a four, 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 three, um, it, you know, the, the athletes get closer and closer where you really separate is, is that meant that mental aspect of like, you know, you know, Devon said the best route runners, you know, they're setting guys up, they're giving you the same look, they're giving you the same look, knowing, okay, I'm about to come back and make this look just like what i beat you nice. with here and set you up here. So, I mean, that, that understanding that can get you a long way. Um, you know, without running and checking off all the crazy athleticism boxes.
2: What are your thoughts on this, Scott?
3: Yeah, I think I think you need to have so to speak the mental edge uh playing NFL. I think you know need to know where the receiver's going. Um, like Chad said, you can use speed against against any cornerback. Like you said, if he runs a four three, he's gonna outrun you and you could stop short. He's don't think you're going deep. You stop short. You pull up. You run a, a comeback. Um, the mental edge is a big thing in the NFL. If you can, if you can get the mental edge on a cornerback, you could burn him all day long. You can run slants. You could run goes. You could run combat. You could you could basically make him outthink himself and take him take them out of the game where they they're done for the day, basically in the first quarter quarter and a half. So men, mentally, it's really big. To in determining the one-on-one matchups on the outside, so. Yeah, um,
4: definitely. I agree,
3: with, I agree with Chad a lot
4: on that.
3: What do you think, Jim?
1: Well, I am really fixated right now as I'm expecting Denver to take Justin Fields. And if they do, I'm looking at Dallas at the next pick. And I I thought all along Patrick certain would be their pick and they'd go with a corner, but Rayshawn Slater sitting on the board at tackle, Dallas's yeah. line is aging a bit. That, that line was really a strength and would allow that offense to be even more explosive than it's been. So um, again, just excited for this pick to come in, but Dallas is gonna have a decision on their hands. I'm sure they have already thought this through, but having those two options at two cornerstone positions. And in today's NFL, the well, tackle's always been in corner. Covering the pass is huge and Dallas has defensive struggles. So I am very anxious to see what these next two picks are. And I've I mean,
3: always learned with, with NFL, when everybody's on one player or one side, go the other way. Okay. Go the other way. Like everybody's on certain for Dallas because, like, Jim, I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be fields. But everybody, every marker, everything you read says Dallas is going Patrick Sertain. I would go the other way. I, I would agree with Jim. I, I would think maybe they're going to go line just to get the help with the line so Zeke can get going.
4: I mean look at the Super Bowl man look at how big that left tackle was not not being there I mean you, we, everybody watched that I mean they they the ta- that left tackle spot is crucial and if you got a stud there and he's gone and not I mean that backup's not even Wow.
3: So. Denver took certain. Oh. oh wow.
4: Wow. Oh my gosh. So they believe oh. in Teddy
1: Bridgewater.
4: Wow! Holy moly! <laughs> Dude, do they still have Ripkin too?
1: They
3: still have the boys, the
4: Brett Ripkin. They Brett do. King. They do. Yes, yeah. they do.
3: And they signed two cornerbacks in free agency, didn't they? Well, they signed secondary help in the free agency, right? Two.
1: They did. They did. They got, they got the Bears Fuller. And I know they already got Callahan, right? So uh, wow, I
3: I can't believe I
1: wow. Well, I mean, all the receiving talent they have in Denver. I was just very excited for them to get a quarterback to lift that offense to the explosive nature that they could. Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, yeah, even Albert Bunam, who coming yeah. back from an injury this year, and you know, KJ Hamler,
4: raw Speed. Let's not go ahead, Chad. Oh, uh, oh no, I'm good. I didn't, I didn't have anything.
2: Most defense, right? Look at their coach, right? Denver games go under. Love them. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Yes.
1: Oh my gosh.
3: Thanks, it, thanks you. Uh, so I had heard they, were, they liked Parsons too from Penn State. That was another guy they liked too. So I if they were going to select a defensive guy, that's where I thought they were going. But
1: I'm telling you, linebackers are not a thing anymore. People will take them, but seriously, today's NFL, it's rushing the passer covering against the pass linebackers are nice unless they're coverage linebackers who are going to cover tight ends or running backs out of the backfield but but realistically i I really think linebackers are going the way of running back where they're considered a replaceable position and they are not you know right chad you thinking with me on that
4: i mean yeah i mean if you just look at like so like i played in high school with fred warner the starting linebacker for the 49ers he was on my high school team um so he's one year below me uh but, yeah, I mean, even him, like, he's kind of that cover guy that kind of came out of nowhere, BYU, low pick. Um, you know, Ruben Foster was hurt. He got in there. He's three years later, played in the Super Bowl. He's, you know, one of the best, you know, all-pro guys. And, uh, I mean, kind of just like you said, like, that. that's I, – I kind of see, lot, you know, coming out of nowhere, you know, they didn't spend a lot of money on him. And, and and look what they got, you know. So, I mean, that's a perfect example of exactly, exactly where you're hitting at. This
3: is, this is almost a defend against the Chiefs pick.
4: Yes. Right. Yeah.
3: hundred percent defend
4: against the chiefs pick so many it's, it's crazy you know i got i got so many buddies on all these teams you know just seeing these teams draft certain positions you know and you know like i got two buddies that are practice squad on the Bengals, you know they, they took jamar chase you know, you know i got got a buddy that's a db a lower end db on the uh, on the broncos they just took certain it's got to be tough man i mean i've never been in that position where like they're drafting guys in my position but that happens all the time. That's an interesting dynamic as a player there. I, mean, I mean, every team's got to deal with that. They're drafting guys, you know, to replace those lower-end guys.
2: Yeah, and, and I love um, uh, my guy, John Gruden, right? And My John Gruden story is, he uh, was this place called Channelside, and it's Arena League, right? Bobby Markham, my family used to clean his house. So I see Mark, and he's like, let's go drinking, man. I'm like, I'm not going to go drinking. I'll drive you home because I know you won't be able to drive home. And Channelside has offices. And John Gruden flew in Chip Kelly, and they would sit all day there for a week drawing up plays. So John Gruden's in his division, offensive guy. Sertain, his dad. I remember his dad in the NFL back in the day. Uh, John Gruden's great motivational speech to what Chad's talking about as
4: we're rocking
2: these Oregon State hats.
4: Yes, sir. Beavers. Uh,
2: like guys, it's time for you guys to end the dream. End their dream, man. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I didn't really even know what he was
2: talking about until some guy, NFL guy, was saying, "Hey, that's for the veterans." That guy who just got drafted.
3: Your job is in their dream, man. <laughs> I, same reaction as you, Jim. Dallas trade like, with Philly. Imagine that division foes.
1: So is Philly going lineman? Are they going with Rayshon Slater here? Who, who
3: did Dallas
4: take? Wonder if they Devontae traded. Smith, Devontae Smith,
3: maybe of Alabama.
4: Hey, so the, the last pick was certain, and the Cowboys traded. Yeah, the Cowboys just so traded with Philly. So Philly's on the clock. Correct. They wouldn't go, they wouldn't go quarterback, would they? Now like, I mean Jalen Hurts is like, I feel like he didn't even like get his shot. Like he's he's decent. I mean he deserves a shot. I think he can I think he can get it done. I agree. I totally agree. He's a gamer. You know what I'm saying? As a as a receiver myself, man, I, I would I would like to play. I I would play I would I would love to play for him. I, I think he, you know what I'm saying? He's a stud. He's got a great mentality, the way he handles adversity. I respect it. I think you know the kids the kids he's got that mental aspect that you need that quarterback, that intangible, you know, like whatever he doesn't have as a skill, he has, you know, that mental intangible.
3: I would think this has got to be a receiver. I would think. It, it very well could be. Now they just spent a high pick
1: on Jalen Rager last year. And I mean, their line is falling apart they're getting some guys back, but they're, they're, they're aging horribly. Um, yeah. I mean, I would want them to see, I see Rayshon Slater come to them because that would help them significantly. Yes, they could go receiver here, and it is a position of need. But it's one I think they could really address in the second round, as opposed to giving up draft capital here. Uh, so yeah. we'll see what happens.
4: I think Devonte Smith has got to be the next receiver off the board. I'm kind of surprised he's still around. I thought he, I thought he'd go in the top six, seven picks.
1: Chad, I think a lot of the teams are nervous about the 165 pounds because at that weight, I don't know that we've ever seen a receiver in the NFL. Go ahead. Yeah. Is that what he weighed in at? 165? 165. And, you know, and again, I always say this, we throw the word outlier around, but when you are that small, there's like no historical cop. Of, and he's six foot tall too, so it's yeah. not like he's stocky. I mean, he is like a complete string beam. And and, and I know they say, well, he's fast and he, in the SEC, but he is going to get pressed, and even by average NFL corners, they could push him off his route. I am very concerned about 165 pounds.
4: Well, I mean, what what did Deshaun Jackson play at 170?
1: Yes. And he is an outlier. He is one of those guys who, you know, what I mean, you look over the course of the NFL and, yes. and you know, even Chad Ocho Ochocinco, Chad Johnson, he was one of those guys who, yeah. you know, size wise, he wasn't there. But there are so few of them and you usually don't see them coming, Chad. I mean, these yeah. are players we didn't project to be what they yeah. were, you know.
4: I'm just look at like DeAnthony Thomas, you know, he's one of those guys, 155, 160, He, you know, he didn't check out. Um, you know, Cole Hardman is right. Well, he might be 175, 180, a little bigger. He's kind of that he might. But he seems to like be like he's thickened up since college. You know, he realized I got to put on 15 pounds. So, yeah, maybe we see a Devontae uh, Adams or, you know, he's like, I got to get to 180, you know, to play at this level, which, you know, probably what we're going to see. And also, too, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Do, do you find him as dynamic as Deshaun Jackson or, or maybe not as quite?
1: You know, Deshaun Jackson, and I'm going to throw that word outlier around because Deshaun Jackson was somebody who nobody could ever cover. He was always able to get, if you played press, if you played zone, he always found a way to get past you. The savvy he had, that was where he was the outlier. It was that you may know what route was coming, but God help you to try to stop the guy, right?
4: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. His speed, I mean, his track speed, he's probably one of the best. I mean, he trains his speed though too. Even as a, as a right now as a 35-year-old, you know, he's getting a, he's probably the fastest he's been in his life, Daniel. On some videos I've seen. I mean, the dude trains and lives and eats speed work, you know. And when you got want to be fast, you have to. I mean, that it's it's a fact here that uh so your one rep max on your bench press or your squat, you know, you can keep that up to around 30 days, uh, before losing significant strength. But sprint work is five to seven days. You start to decline, decline in your sprint times and speed. So, you know. And he's he's a testimony to that. You can't can't take a month off. You can't take – got to run once or twice or three times a week, every week, you know. Now in your offseason, it's maybe two times a week. When you're going hard, it's four to five times a week. But you can't take long durations where you're not running and doing that. Your speed will decrease and decline. You can't run fast by doing that.
1: And Philly's pick is in. We're waiting to find out who it is. Chad, I love that insight. That was – that's really the type of stuff that – I could never bring to the table and it's so helpful and helps me learn. So thank you for that. Sir. It's gotta it gotta be Slater here.
4: I think you're right, Jim. It's gotta be Slater. Intention is getting me here. Slater, <laughs> who's who's what what is who's Slater? What position is he? Where is he from? Off the tackle. 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 He does project me more of a right tackle now.
1: Where the schools are, I never really keep up with. I always can never remember what school was from. And then the Giants are next, and Dallas is up at 12. So the three divisional teams picking in a row here. Yeah, that's interesting.
4: And and, and having one division team trade the pick,
3: Devontae Smith. Oh my god! Wide receiver!
4: Wow! Oh. Dang! I, on, we knew. I thought he'd be the next receiver off the board. I didn't think he was gonna go to the. US. All these teams passing up on the linemen, man. They all want the fast guys, the little fast guys. Yeah. They do. Does
2: that means oh. we're gonna see a lot of air raid. That air raid league because of the Chiefs. I
4: don't
3: know. That's, I that's think he can't what leave. I think. Yeah, that's what I think. But it's gonna take this guy a while just to, to get in the playbook. I mean, right. Plus, I, I like you right. said, the offensive line is is kind of aging and kind of quote unquote creaky. So you know mm-hmm. they need to they need to shore that thing up to protect Jalen Hurts. Because he's a runner anyway, but when he drives back to pass, is he going to have enough time to throw the ball? Right. Go through his reads and stuff and throw the ball? I'm not sure.
4: Yeah. So the Giants. Go ahead.
1: Go ahead. But The Giants are going to be on the clock here, guys. Uh, You know what? That franchise scares me because I could see them taking a linebacker and a position that's, again, that's dying out. But, um, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Chad.
4: Um man, I don't even remember what I was gonna say. Uh you get you guys are good. Go ahead.
2: We have two teams now, right? Tua and Jalen Hurts, where you have Alabama quarterback thrown to Alabama receiver. Yep. Uh, Philadelphia's corporate governance is a complete disaster, right? Howie Roseman. He he rises to fame. He's like Chip Kelly in the sense that uh, he doesn't have a wife. I think he's divorced Divorced real quickly. His He's married to the game of football. So 24 hours a day. Brun's the same way. Chip Kelly's the same way. They're married. Bill Belichick, right? He set up his kids. He says he's he, he's not going to talk to his kids only for a couple months in the offseason. The rest of the time, he's married to the game of football. Harvey Roseman's the same way. Up oh, The Bears are up to 11
3: now.
1: Oh, wow. The so they're going to go for fields maybe?
3: possibly yep it's
1: the only chance of that brian pace has to keep his job is to get a quarterback (laughs) honestly it is because i mean he's gonna be fired pretty quick but they get a quarterback buys him a little time maybe
4: the giants traded to the bears
3: yep yeah wow so the bears have have been wanting a quarter they've been looking for a quarterback so here goes justin fields right here probably
1: of course, with their history of taking Trubisky, maybe they'll take uh, Trask or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it was Kyle Trask? I don't think Justin Fields is that good any either. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt.
2: He's a plus one urban buyer guy. <laughs> he hasn't read the only defense he had to read was Michigan's, right? <laughs>
1: Oh wow, the bear is on the clock. That's interesting. So, I mean, I have to think because again, with everybody in the hot seat there, going in with Andy Dalton, the quarterback, their defense—they they lost Fuller. That hurt. Their defense is still pretty good, though, definitely above average. And realistically, adding a quarterback would give them the potential to do so. Like Mooney looked decent last year. Alan Robinson's there. Cole Komet began. They come out when they utilize him late in the season. Cohen is a weapon out of the backfield back from an ACL. So if they had a quarterback that could come in, he does have some good weapons to work with.
2: Yeah. That's your home team. The, the good
4: old Chicago bears. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too big on Justin Fields either. I think, uh, He's got some bus potential. Mm-hmm. Well, Athlete, beating anybody other than yeah. Michigan, <laughs> especially too. Like, did you guys? Wow! Know
3: Look what the Bears gave up to get up to eleven.
4: What they give up?
3: They gave up the twentieth, a fifth rounder this year, next year's first oh. and fourth.
4: Wow! They have to be going Fields then. They yes. got
3: gotta be.
1: Yeah. And I agree with all of you guys. I do see bus potential with Fields. Absolutely, hundred percent. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. the risk
4: they're gonna
1: have to take, right?
2: Right, I mean, they the... just depleted their <laughs> roster, right?
4: <laughs> yes. The, the, the play that blares out to me—do you guys remember against Clemson when, when Fields spun into that forty-seven line, the hey, linebacker hey, with hey. the neck roll, and and he—they, the Clemson dude got a targeting, and Fields completely spun right into him and in his rib cage. I mean. Right. That type of stuff in the NFL, I mean, I saw Robert Griffin the Third do that shit a lot. You know, that didn't didn't work really well. I mean, you can't – Either, though. You got to understand, I mean, if you go spinning your head and your – I mean, they are going to annihilate you. And Yes. I don't think – you're not going to have any longevity with that type of – you know, so, I mean, he kind of scares me, and he kind of seems in like that Robert Griffin the Third feel for me.
2: It only takes a 2.0 to uh, get into Ohio State. <laughs> Great point. <plan. laughs>
4: <laughs> <The admitted>.
1: Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch.
3: You, you don't think they could go Mac Jones, do you? I would. I would. I would, I would go
2: Mac Jones over Fields because uh, I, you know, I study a lot of college and they had a hard time being able to get him to read defenses and game plan, you know, against Iowa. All right. He's not going to see the Hawkeyes go, you know, Bill Parcells.
1: You're <laughs> not going to see Michigan State. <laughs> hey, let's talk some Hawthorne effect here, though. Because if Ryan Pace went with Trubisky five years ago and he oh, passed God. on the guys with upside that had downside, if oh, he God. learned from that, he's got to go with the upside guy here as opposed to going with, uh, you know, the, the Mac Jones. Well, we'll see. Yeah. But, uh, the Hawthorne effect. Matt uh Travinsky
2: over Deshaun Watson, right? Yeah. And and Mahomes. And Mahomes, too. Yep.
4: <laughs> yep. So um, is he is Houston gonna draft a quarterback? They didn't sign, they haven't signed a new yeah, quarterback.
3: To, to Rod Taylor they have now.
4: Oh they so, got Tyrod But they
3: need a court they need another quarterback for sure. So
1: in Chad, they don't pick to the third round. They don't even yeah. have draft picks. So there's they're, they're uh-huh. kind of in a lot of trouble there. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes. Can't even build. Wow.
3: I and they signed they signed every guy they possibly could the one and two year deals like a mock Ingram like like some some guys that are questionable so then they're, yeah, they're not even looking at like, like a five win season this year they're looking at probably a four and thirteen season or something
4: wow so. and what's what's the deal with Deshaun Watson is he is he still with the team or is he is he done with the team or well he's, he's with the, the team. team he's still with the team just a, pe- a pending while what, waiting what's going on he's yeah, in with just- I don't think they have
2: HR laws or uh, they don't have, like New York is very strict with Me Too movement, HR. Texas doesn't have any of that. So he lucked out as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Man,
1: what is Goodell? Reading a book up there? He's been talking for half like a minute. He looks skinny. Come on, dude. Give us a pick and then chat later. They're not allowed to go to the gyms up there in
2: uh, New York yet. Cuomo hasn't allowed it. No, huh? Looking at it from a financial standpoint, you don't know these corporations, how much money they've lost with COVID-19, how many other workers going back. Justin to Fields.
0: Home.
4: Yeah. Wow. Well, Hawthorne effect, huh? <laughs> it had to be, right? Yeah.
1: It won't work out, probably. I agree with you guys, but they had to do it. The fan base, marketing. So, here's the lead, guys. The Andy Dalton era is over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. They didn't but make yeah, a pick on no, the, start from from
2: the week market. one. From to- the marketing angle. You got to pick a big 10 Ohio state guy because there's any big
1: 10 graduates there in Chicago. (laughs) So do the Patriots trade up to make sure they get a quarterback here with Mac Jones, because the chargers don't need a quarterback, Minnesota doesn't, but the fear would be that somebody jumps the Patriots to get a quarterback possibly. So is well, there any
3: that, chance to trade up? So the next three picks are what? Dallas? Yes. Chargers, Dallas, and the Vikings. The charges the Chargers, and the Vikings. So the only team I would fear to take a quarterback would be the Vikings in that if, if the Cousins is going to be gone after this year because of his contract, right?
1: Right, but I was saying a trade. Oh, the, if they trade up, it would be to, to stop another team from trading up. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I would try to trade with I think Dallas has got their mindset on the line, I would think. So I would have to go trade with the Chargers, I would think, to get up two spots.
0: Because
3: mm-hmm. I, I don't think Dallas is going to trade again to go down. They might, but I I think they're, they're steadfast on getting that, that guy Slater from, you know, on, on the line. So Check. I would. If it's, if it's not going to cost a lot, I would do it. Yeah.
2: Chad can't answer this question because he has a business relationship with uh, these guys, right? You get to um, the camp, but I can say that <laughs> I don't think the Patriots need a quarterback. I think with with Cam Noon and Jason Statham, I like them at Auburn. A good old Gus Malzahn was not an enemy of mine because he's not a head coach. If you cannot finish university over there in, in Orlando, me being a USF guy, but I think Jason Statham, he can uh, get your three first downs with his legs. And so can Cam Newton get you three first downs with his legs. He win 75% of the game. And Bill Belichick, who's a control freak, wants to win with defense. He's got the defense the way he wanted to. He got the guys who took COVID-19 off. They're going to be fresh. Uh is going to put it on the defense. And he doesn't really need a quarterback. Tom Brady included. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah, Stidham though. Stidham throws a good ball. I mean, compared to Cam, Stidham as a passer, he he needs to get. I don't. I'm. I i do not know why he hasn't really gotten an opportunity up there yet. This last year, I mean, he, they really haven't really given him any opportunity. Um, but the but, fact yeah,
2: that he set up those workouts, I thought, was significant.
4: Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cam and, and you know, and Jarrett were out there with with their guys. You know, getting some work in with the receivers. So that was that was good to see. But um, yeah, Cam. I mean. I don't know. I feel like ever since Cam got his surgery, the balls just never came out the same. It just it just it's just it's just not a natural throwing motion. He's just not a natural thrower.
2: No, that's interesting.
4: It's a great call. And Scott
2: being up there when it gets cold and you have a shoulder injury. Does that affect
3: you, man? Is it cold up there in the shoulder? It is definitely no good. I think Belichick is, is had the right quote-unquote uh, thing last year, plan last year. Run the ball a lot. Play great defense. And that's that that's what happens in start November 1st to the end of the year. That's what you got to do in the, in the Northeast. In New York, New England, Buffalo. You got to run the ball and you got to play really good defense and you, and you can win games up, up in the cold weather. So. Yeah, well-
4: one, one day I was having a conversation with Jarrett uh, as we got done throwing. We are doing some speed training, and uh, he was telling me that, you know, out there last season, you know, they'd be warming up pregame and stuff, and that, you know, Cam's got to do all this band stuff and all these throws, and it's like, you know, it takes Cam 20 more minutes than Jarrett to warm up, you know, because of that shoulder and that cold weather, and he's just like, I need a couple more throws, man. And Jarrett's like, man, are you sure? You, you're not warm? Like, throwing like 50 balls. <laughs> 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 I mean, that, I mean, when a guy is, I mean, I, I mean, I, this is just me, you know, my interpretation of this, you know, from what the information I, the story from Jared, but yeah, I mean, when a guy is taking that long to warm up and he's getting the band, I mean, something ain't feeling right. Something's not. I mean, I, because I, I personally feel like the more in shape I am, the less I have to warm up. You know, I just kind of get going. I'm good. Like I'm not tight. You right. know, the better. You know, so, so that's not. I mean, I, that's not a good sign in my opinion. From, uh and then what I saw, you know, just a few weeks ago out, you know, I'm throwing. I, yeah, I don't. Cam's there to run the ball. That's that's yeah, for sure.
3: Exactly, exactly. That was the whole the whole offense from the twenty yard line in. Cam run the ball left. Cam run the ball right. Cam run the ball middle, and then maybe give it to Damian Harris
4: if we get a first down. I mean, that's his it. body. His body looks good though, man. He looks big, fit, and yeah. strong. I mean, he looks like he's ready to run the ball for sure. He looks like a defense defensive end. I mean, the dude's a tank for sure. I'll give him that.
3: I mean he was Cam was great in Seattle last year. He threw for like three hundred and sixty yards and you know ran a couple touchdowns and he looked great. And then all of a sudden, once the COVID hit him, he seemed to just go right right down the tubes mm-hmm. in terms of his production. So of
1: course Seattle wasn't stopping anybody. I could have probably No Seattle, for two. that's
3: that's true. I could that's probably true. throw for
1: 250 against them. <laughs> <laughs> At that point of the season, that is. They got that's better true. the year went on.
3: Uh, he's gonna write another book again.
4: <laughs> right. This is this is his five seconds of fame, man. That's all he gets <laughs> every year.
2: <laughs> yep, he he upped his salary to sixty million. But uh, looking at it from a financial standpoint, uh teams are going very cheap from what I'm noticing. There, I see the trend of uh, their companies coming back. Are they going to hire Passons. all the people back?
1: Wow. Did Dallas pick?
3: Micah Parsons.
1: Wow. What a horrible pick. To go with a linebacker and they're, man, wow, that is... Not they have Jalen Smith and Leeton Vanderesh as it is, so they have two and they've underperformed, understandably. Yeah. But to have those two talents at a really meaningless position for a team that needs secondary help, offensive line, that is a backwards thinking move on their part. Where does that get them? What does that help them with? Right, and
2: it, you're it's talking about um, a guy like Steven. Jones and uh, Jerry Jones, who, yes, they're great real estate men, great oil men, but they haven't done it any good since Barry Switzer left and really uh, Jimmy Johnson, right? This immense that Jimmy Johnson was really the mastermind behind those back-to-back Super Bowl teams. And they have not made the, the playoffs uh, very much. Now, Penn State had a great defense. Uh, They kept things under control with the young people on the uh, offense. As that offense uh, for Penn State got in gear. But they fell apart last year. uh, And they didn't even make a bowl game.
1: Wow. But I guess – Yeah, go ahead. I guess the positives of Parsons – is as it was noted on the the network, he can blitz. He's possibly he can cover running backs and tight ends. Although the scouting that I had on him didn't quite have that same idea because he like lacks good zone instincts. He doesn't have experience in man coverage, so I don't really necessarily agree with that part. But he is a dynamic blitzer. But again, again, they needed a corner or an edge rusher. Anyway, I'm done with this. I'll
2: move on. <laughs> No, when you think about Jerry Jones, you think about Arkansas, right? His mentor was Frank Broyles. Yep. You play defense, you stop the run, you will win 70% of your game. So he, he's a run stopper. Right? Stop the run first, that's the way Jerry Jones thinks. That's the way Steven Jones thinks. Um, and they're the ones running the team. What are your thoughts, Scott?
3: Jerry Jones, the GM, is like Belichick, the GM. He's done his team no favors on the field. So I guess he wants to see Dak throw the ball 65 times every game because right. that's what's going to end up happening here is Dak's going to have to throw a ton. I mean, before Dak got hurt, remember, they, they got down big in games. to right. Cleveland to, you know, the Giants was a high-scoring game. Those games are 50-50 when you get into high-scoring games in terms of what you, if you're going to win or lose, depending on what mistakes each team makes. Right. I agree with Jim. They didn't need this guy. They needed they needed Slater from you know Slater on the line they needed a cornerback they needed they needed something more to help the team than this right so you know like I said Jerry Jones the GM does not help the team on the field he hurts yeah. it more than he helps it and especially with draft picks like this you I know understand. I, I understand the guy is a really good athlete but he's not a good fit for what Dallas needs to right. do.
1: Quick line here before you jump back in, Josh. So Dallas' warhams going nuts. We can stop the run. We can stop the run. But wait a minute. Teams in the NFL don't run much anymore. That's right. That's right. That's
2: right. That's why I say if you are the smartest, toughest guy in the room, you're in the wrong
3: room. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I I never like head coaches or owners making these type of decisions because they never help themselves on the field. They always go for that that guy that they think is the star power that's gonna that's gonna draw them, you know, fans or whatever. Right. So, you know, I, you know, I, I'm with Jim. I can't. I don't agree with this pick at all. I yeah. mean, linebacker yeah. is, is a fleeting position, just like running back is. So.
2: And the thing is that my wife's a psychotherapist, but when you get older, you default to your youth, right? I think Orson Wells movie. You know, a rosebud or whatever, rosebud, rosebud. He default to his youth, and that's what Jerry Jones is doing. He's defaulting back to when he was linebackers coach, uh, with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Don't
3: don't they have two stud linebackers too already? Van Der Esch? Yeah, Van Der Esch, yeah, yeah, but they as Jim said, they've they've underperformed. So what about
4: Jalen Jalen Smith, the other one, right? They got Jalen Smith and Esch. Right.
3: right. They just lost. Was Sean Lee a linebacker? Did they, he He was. just retired? He was, yes. okay. So, yeah. I guess that's what he's thinking. We got to replace him. So, I don't know.
4: But he was already a
1: rotational player the last two to three years. So. Exactly.
3: Exactly. Because he was
1: hurt
4: so much and, and stuff I, like that. I don't get that pick. You already have two. You got Jalen Smith and Banders, two young guys. You just drafted him. I yep. mean, I don't – I don't. that doesn't make any sense. That is a terrible pick, in my opinion. Mm-hmm.
2: And you know that's why the president has advisors, right? No, everybody knows Joe Biden's not the president. Kamala Harris is running
0: things, <laughs> <picks, right? laughs>
2: but, but Jerry Jones, he's running Dallas, and this is what happens. This is what happens when you got a billionaire guy and
3: nobody says anything to him, right? They just want the inheritance, right? Exactly. Okay. Well, who who's his who's his right hand man in the organization? His son, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think his son's gonna tell him what to do. So,
1: nope. That's as good as the yes men come.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I just don't understand it because now all of a sudden Minnesota at fourteen, they need line help. They gonna they might get alignment to help them. You know, so you, you know the just like the, the wide receiver pick.
4: You know, no one Smith. No you think they're you know? gonna get alignment? They're probably going for Mac Jones. <laughs> Who's that? The Lions. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the, Lions. Oh, the, Vikings, the Vikings, the Vikings, the Vikings. That's on the clock, right? No, the... the- uh, yeah. The,
3: the Chargers and then the Vikings are, Vikings are two picks away. So,
4: oh, okay. Chargers are on the clock right now.
2: Yep. Yeah. I get my second visor uh, vaccine on uh, May 14th. And then maybe a month and a half later, I'll be in Costa Mesa, California, reporting live from your LA Chargers training camp. Every time Spano sees me, he runs. <laughs> I'm going to post it. He saw me. He got in the car. You never see the guy go by so fast. Now they're broke. Now the, the sister is does uh, is suing them for her cut. She's, she's like, I don't have to wait for somebody to die before I get my cut. And all the papers are coming out. They're broke. That's why they're so cheap. And I'll take pictures of it. I'll take pictures of it. I did it last time. Of the holes in the training can't feel for the Chargers. That's how cheap they are, uh, up there in uh, Russell Stadium in Costa Mesa, California. Uh, Tom Telesco, man, he's a great GM. He has a beautiful family. Uh, I but thought... he has to
3: deal with them all the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You yeah, have these crazy fans, and I'm like letting his family through and through the back to where the Spanishes are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it I and I had good discipline, right? Because Tommy Telesco comes, hey man, thank you, man. Thank you for doing this for my family. And I'm like, oh hey, let me ask you a couple questions. No, I, I did not. <laughs> I let it go. Uh man, we want to talk about cheap, right? You got uh, a guy who didn't even get two years as a defensive coordinator is now your head coach. Last uh Last head coach was a running back's coach, <laughs> became your head coach, and you fired Winsen Hunt, which is a big part of the podcast with John Bronson, right? John Bronson, because Winson Hunt came in as coach of the Arizona Cardinals with uh, Matt Leonard and uh, Kurt Warner, and my guy, uh, John Bronson from uh, Penn State, I had a bone to pick with Wisenhut and, and kind of challenged Winston hunts ability as an offensive coordinator and as a head coach. And he was the offensive coordinator of the Chargers, uh, was fired for lack of performance, and they put in uh, a guy who was fired – as the passing game coordinator at the University of Tulsa. Now, some he's the offensive coordinator for your early Chargers and, and Anthony Lynn. <laughs> they did not want to pay for an offensive uh, guy. So who did the Chargers pick?
3: Uh, he's walking up
2: right now. Yeah, I'm on a delay, so I'm a little behind you guys. But Oh, before I forget, I want to thank the people listening on Podbean, listening to us, getting some knowledge so they can make some money. Thank you to the people watching on YouTube, and thank you for all the people watching on Twitter. Uh, i got help this time, so anybody has any questions, we'll be more than happy to answer them. Here you go, this Slater off the board.
1: Great pick for that. There is a franchise protecting their young quarterback. And they're line one side if it was good, one side not so good. This is an excellent move for them. Yep.
3: Josh, um, so I assume Spanos didn't make this
1: pick? <laughs> no, Justin go. Herbert did
2: <laughs> Who was the, uh, who was the uh, General manager that worked for Ursay, Right, another cheap guy And they always drafted offensive linemen With Tony Dungy was the head coach um, I'm trying to think But he's a legendary uh, Bams Love you Scott, you got it <laughs> Polian And Polian will always said "Hey, Draft offensive linemen That's how you build a team Northwestern, right now, you need a 4.0 to get into Northwestern, right, Jim? Over there in Chicago,
1: ah, uh, yes, you need more than, yeah, if you're at a five, I think you need a 5.0, yeah, no doubt, right?
2: <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, the, they, they have uh, the, the, the GPA is different now, that's true you how old I yes, am.
1: yes, so um. The Vikings are on the clock here. Uh, honestly, they need some edge rush to pair with Daniil Hunter. That line, which was a force for years, three of that four um, great player line has been long gone now. And if that's the one thing, they've addressed the corner position in recent drafts. They're emerging. We don't know what they'll be, but I'd really like to see them go for some edge rush here.
2: No, Zimmer. Zimmer's a Parcells guy, right? Mm-hmm. Run, play good defense. Big defensive guy, Marines, you know, tough uh, guy. Uh, Back to Slater and Northwestern, you got blue chip programs and you got developmental programs. Northwestern is a developmental program, and the head coach there does a phenomenal job developing talent. And every other year, they got a, a legit team. So since they went to the Big 12 or the Big 10 championship this year, they're going to suck next year, so go against them, against the spread and make money betting against your Northwestern Wildcats. But, hey, this guy was there five years. He probably has a degree. Offensive linemen are smart. They're usually, like, engineers. He's probably an engineer, doesn't need to play football. And uh, he's going to have a fun time here in L.A. And uh, maybe I'll get an interview with him over there in Costa Mesa. Nice. Sean Slater, Northwestern
1: Wildcats. It's a great move for the Chargers. Um, That's really going to help them both in the rushing attack, screen game, and Justin Herbert, really. This is an opportunity because he faltered down the stretch last year. He had that great start to the season, and then the last five weeks or so, he really was inconsistent. I know Keenan Allen missed a little bit of time in there, but nonetheless, this addition to the line is going to help with his growth um, arc in the NFL. Well, having
2: a legit offensive coordinator.
0: (laughs) 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 Yes, yes, yes.
3: (laughs) I have a passing coordinator who was fired Uh, at (laughs) – Hey, the Jets moved up. The Jets moved up to 14 now.
1: Well, that means the Patriots can get a quarterback if they want then. Yep.
3: Wow. Is this going to be a lineman, I would think? Another lineman or –
1: Wow, Are they. I wonder if they had to move. I mean, to move up for that,
3: twenty-three to fourteen.
1: I mean, there were a few linemen that were pretty similarly. Right now, of course, their board is certainly different than anybody else's.
2: Funny, the cheap, the cheap, family-owned teams have the quarterbacks in the draft room. It's like, oh, I'm paying you twenty million.
1: And you need to do some scouting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: know,
1: realistically. They bring in Zach Wilson. We don't know what Denzel Mims is yet. I do think he does have some upward potential, but it's quite possible they want to get him weapons immediately. So it's possible they go for a Rondale Moore, a Kadarius, Tony, a Terrace Marshall, depending where their liking is. Um, You want the sizable receivers. You know, you're looking more Marshall or Tony. If you're looking more the slot explosive guy, Rondale Moore. Um, But that, that could be a route they're going to give their quarterback weapons.
3: You, you like Bateman, Jim? You
1: like Bateman? You know what? I, I have him. I don't like his testing scores. I'm going to pull those up here. I don't like the way he tested out. Let me just get to that quickly here. So, yeah, Rashad Bateman, I had him very high before the guys were weighing him. Now, so his speed score is 42nd percentile. His explosiveness was good at 58th percentile. His agility was 41st. His numbers are all about average. Six foot 190, we like his size, but his measurables and his pro day, these were not encouraging signs. And that's why I backed off of him. I know a lot of people don't put a lot of stock in these measurables, but they do tell us a lot about a player. Like I don't like the lack of agility. And I don't think, so if you're not going to have the agility, I want to see the straight time burner speed. And we don't have that. And with his explosiveness measurables being just a tick above average, it gets me a little bit concerned. So no, I have a number of players significantly ahead of him. Uh, Terrace Marshall, I, you know, I know he had, um, they did a knee exam. They There were some things that came up. We don't know what those are. Six two two oh five. 205. His speed score is 85th percentile. Explosive 86th. You know, there are just, these measurables are some things we have to go on here. Yeah. And so there are players, I think, they're more likely to succeed and rondale more kind go ahead yes have,
4: do you have his times what what the, the pro, are you we're going off pro day times there so
1: yeah but what i do is i convert to percentiles i just okay. convert it right to percentiles so i yeah, don't yeah. like put the exact one because like when i'm so it's a broadcasting to an audience. If I tell them, you know, four, four, two, if I just tell them percentile, I think it means more to like the common yeah. person. You, it wouldn't be that way. Cause you're technical. You would be yeah. very much, you'd want the exact time. I could look that up quickly for you.
4: Yeah. Well, one thing I was going to say too, is just, um, so like pro day times are not like, like a lot of times, right. Guys go to the combine, they run like four, six, right. Or four, five, high four, five, whatever. Then they come to their pro day, they run a four, four, right. Or, four, you know, like, Oh, get better. So like, I, I just, I'm just pointing this out there, um, which my speed yeah, coach I, is really, he's trying to standardize the testing because there's so much bull, you know, these guys aren't going oh, three weeks later and running two tenths faster. No, they're getting hand timed versus laser time. That's the adjustment. So, um, you know, and then too, like, I've seen a guy run a great time at his pro day laser, but you can clearly see the, the guy it's exactly how they do the combine hand start laser finish. Right. Um, that's how they're doing this part. Some part are just straight hand times, right. Where when I'm starting a, a, a 40 yard dash from 40 yards away, I'm adjusting for like two, two tenths of a second. Um, where when I'm up close from about five yards away, like the combine, you know, that's only, you know, a half a 10th, 0.07, 0.08. So, you know, it's an over a 10th faster doing that. So something to, to just keep in consideration with these pro day times and stuff like that. And like, you know, a place like USC, they're like notorious, like guys for hand times. and, and they intimidate the scouts with their time. So um, yeah, a lot, I mean, I, that's why I'm asking. I'm just curious, like what, you know, because we got to look at like what the time is, what's the metric. Okay. Even if it's laser, let me see the video because I can see their coach. He's not even starting the laser till the dude's first step. You know what I'm saying? Anyone can run a four, four like that, you know, like it's really a four, six, four, five, eight. Um, so my, my, my point is the testing, there's a lot of marketing and a lot of yeah, ways okay. to cut a 10th and cut corners and the way you test it, starting the laser late hand time versus laser time, a um, lot to that, a lot to that. So, guys,
1: excellent, right. excellent intel. And go, Josh, I'm going to cut right back to you in a second. And, Chad, I tend to look at the slower times with the raised eyebrow more than the faster times because I yeah. think what you're saying is 100% true. And they want to manipulate these times faster. But the guys that test slower, that to me, that's problematic. Would you agree yeah. a little bit with that?
4: Yeah. I mean, Then again, it's just, it's just that metric, you know, like if a guy is going to the combine and he runs a four five Oh at that hand laser legit, I'm going to expect him at his pro day to run 0.12 faster. (laughs) Like that's my metric. So if I see a four five Oh on that hand laser at the combine, I'm expecting a four three eight on the hand time. That's like the uh, point basically 0.12 is just the, you know, the approximation number that like my speed coach uses to differentiate the difference between a hand laser combine time and a true hand time is about 0. 0.12 difference. Perfect.
2: No, I was just going to ask Scott if he trusts Nick Satan with a stopwatch on Pro Day. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, and it's backed up by Bella right? So
0: <laughs> his
3: best friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, when I listened to, to Sirius Radio, they were talking about this time. Stopwatches and times on pro days, and they were saying you got to add like 0. 4, 0. 0.5 seconds to that. Be, not 0. 0.5, but you got to add a little bit of time to that because pro day, the stopwatch isn't—it's not exact. Yeah, it's, it's just
1: right hand time in the vicinity.
0: Exactly.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. The yeah. Jets so traded up for a guard, guys—an offensive guard. They traded yeah. up to pick 14 for a guard.
3: <laughs> not even a <laughs> lot of tackle. That's the Vikings. The Jets. No, it's the Jets. The Jets trade up oh. to the Vikings for oh, AI okay. guards. So, so that means I would assume there's a running back coming with the pick pretty soon here. The next couple of picks in the Jets. The Patriots the Jets. are up.
1: Patriots are on the clock. They can get their quarterback here.
3: Mac Jones.
1: Mac Ooh. Jones.
3: That's jo- Josh's uh Alabama Patriot connection, right?
2: Hey, there you go. There you go. Uh Vera Tucker. A good podcast, right? Uh style Podcast, USC football, hardcore USC football. Uh this guy's a soft west coast guy, prima donna. I, I wouldn't mind getting in shape and just going straight at him and get to the quarterback myself. Uh yeah, I really I don't know. Do you know about him, Chad? The, pick, the picks already in with the Patriots. <laughs> <It> <laughs> yeah, <wastes> you <any> <laughs> yeah, don't waste time. What was that, Josh? Tucker. Uh, I think he was from around. I don't the Menifee area around there. I got, I got a check. Uh, he, he, you did not impress me that much. I would have picked one of the Oregon guys, other than him. But there is a some sort of USC guy in the scouting department. You know, Leonard Williams. They're always picking uh, Sam Darnold. Now they yep. pick another USC guy. So it's more of a business networking pick than an actual
3: football scouting pick in the first round yep don't forget back back a few years ago mark sanchez was another sanchez. pick sanchez uh, Yep. sanchez so if
2: you look at my twitter feed uh, i'll take a video of his house he's over there mission viejo he never invites me to any of those parties with all the boats and stuff but i just take pictures <laughs> <laughs> martin Sanchez.
4: oh yeah no uh Chad knows mark sanchez well, I, I met him this off for the first time, actually. He was just kind of out messing around, throwing around. He hopped in the receiver line right next to me. And I'm just like, I, in my head, I'm thinking, man, this dude looks just like Mark Sanchez. <laughs> and then he goes, What's up, bro? I'm Mark. I'm like, Oh, what's up, man? I'm Chad. Nice to meet you. It's <laughs> Mark Sanchez.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm going to try that. Hey, I'm friends with Chad Nolan. <laughs> Crash right. the party, or else I could go with Chad to the party. That's what I need to do. <laughs>
1: The pick is
3: in. Here comes another long uh, soliloquy from Goodell.
4: Yes. Soliloquy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a good one.
2: Who hangs out with Goodell up there in upstate New York in, in his whatever palace he must have on a lake, man? 80 million. You know? No doubt. Uh, he's a big donor to the Republican Party with uh, Belichick. Uh, I guess they go to the Northeastern Republican places up there.
1: I just called him Belichick. I thought that was, his name was Belichick. <laughs> Belichick.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love his own defense. Make other teams make mistakes. Very cynical. And the cynicism is a sign of intelligence.
3: Yes, Mac Jones. But right, there you go, Alabama.
2: There, you
0: go.
3: there he is.
2: been training to be on the Patriots forever. <laughs> <laughs> went, went from three
1: to three to 15. Yeah, that's huge.
4: Wow, it's a lot of money.
1: Oh, oh you're, you're right just, about that. It's okay. He's in taxitutions, right? So does Mac Jones start day one? They have an offense with two tight ends. They're going to run a lot of heavy personnel. They're going to definitely dictate heavy boxes and light secondaries. The receiver talent isn't great, but they're tight ends, two good duo. This would potentially give a quarterback like Mac Mac Jones an opportunity to be successful early. What are your thoughts, man? Hey, Chad,
2: you, you worked out with those Patriot receivers. What's your breakdown?
4: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's like the most Brady like of, I mean, like sweat he's, I mean, not crazy mobile, pretty accurate breeds defenses. Well, I mean, if you look like who, who's the most Brady like, I mean, is, is, is Mac Jones that guy? I mean, he, I mean that's that's who Belichick's trying to replace at the end of the day. Um, so I mean yeah I think what about those
2: patriot receivers, man. We might might see you on the Patriots.
4: Yeah. Uh, I mean I man, I only saw them work out like two two days, and they were kind of I wasn't working out with them. I was on the other side of the field doing my speed work. They were they were getting their routes in. So um, I mean, yeah, I mean they they, I mean, they look good. They got they got guys, but I mean, yeah, they don't have like a. There's no big name number one. I mean, they they don't have a. Yeah, so yeah. Harry or whatever it was not impressive? You were like, oh, no. They're, no, no. they're all just kind of like you know the same you know similar guys. You know Kendrick Bourne. You they look pretty good, um. But yeah, I mean, that, no no one was just like, oh my gosh, you know, no right. no no one was blown in blown me away. They just saw – I mean, some saw guys, um. So yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, they definitely. I I think they could use a receiver or two for real. Some big, some big time number one, you know, talent. Bring Julio in into trade. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I think the strength of their
3: offense is the two tight ends. So, and then what are they going to do? They're going to run interme- inter- intermediate routes, and that's Mac Jones' strength. So, mm-hmm. if he shows in training camp and and in the off season that he can handle the offense, because McDaniel's has a lot of stuff he throws at his his players, he makes that week one. I would lean toward Cam. 60 40 but it's possible it's highly possible yeah that guard from georgia i'm waiting for him to be fully healthy one year
2: and Dominic because i think that's what belichick wanted He wants to run behind that guy that guy's a special kind of like elite talent <clears throat> and in georgia he had you know with nick chubb and them he's just so good he just pancakes people on a regular basis
3: so if he's fully healthy i, I like that patriots running game if if the guy they traded for is brown's healthy and plays a full season and i think it's win from georgia mm-hmm.
0: if their line is
3: healthy and plays a full season right. I, I i think they could they could compete with buffalo for the division and be a, be a threat to to go to the super bowl again
1: the important thing to understand here is this, that the NFL, as we talk about now, they focused on the secondary. They've focused on the pass rush. Teams are not loaded up to stop the run game. The Patriots coming in with two tight end personnel, multiple running backs at a the time, they can actually take advantage of NFL rosters that are no longer designed to beat that type of game. Oh, 100%.
2: And, and Belichick and uh, Andy Reid, or bring in a fullback, right? Mm-hmm. And if most of the league, 80% of the league is air raid, and they're not practicing against a tight end and a fullback, they're at a severe uh, disadvantage. And what does that mean for us? It means 65 to 70% against the spread. And with mm-hmm. all things being equal, uh, I'll use one of uh, Jim Coventry's words, outlier. i was teaching an outlier the fact that he's a control freak and GM, but he's a good GM. He knows how to build depth,
3: especially on defense. And that's what he actually have on Buffalo. And what's highly important with this draft pick is Belichick and Satan's relationship. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: he'll, he'll be talking to Satan every, almost every day. What are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? What can, what can he do well? you know, can he, can he throw from outside the pocket? Can he, you know, so Bella Belichick will know what he can do and what he can't do. And that will help them out a lot. And that might work to Jones favor getting them started the first week of the year. So.
2: Yeah. And with COVID-19, these guys are, my wife's a psychotherapist, not me. I just act like one, but as these guys get over COVID-19, they're, they're getting closer to their mortality. Right. Both these guys are looking at perspective. Right. And uh, Belichick spent two weeks at Satan's uh, lake house in Georgia. So they spent a lot of time together. And I think they they appreciate the relationship they have. They've known each other over close to 50 years. Uh, Satan coached with him. He was his defensive coordinator for those Cleveland Clowns. (laughs) Talent. They go 10 and 6 and make the playoffs. The Belichick head coach and Satan as a defensive coordinator. Here goes a cheapo team or Arizona Cardinals. The so Zavon they go.
1: Collins. Yes. Yes. They go Zaven Collins. And so really high football IQ, strong in coverage, which if you're going to go linebacker, that is the route to go. We do love his speed and athleticism. He's not really aggressive near the line of scrimmage, struggles to shed blockers. Um, limited for his position when asked to pass rush but overall as linebackers go we don't want to spend a first round pick on him for sure which just happened but at least he projects to be able to cover running backs and tight ends in the passing game but again i I think in today's nfl way too early to grab this type of position yeah uh
2: We'll go to Scott after me. I saw him play against us. I say us. It's not that I have a mouse in my pocket, but I donate uh, a little bit of money to the University of South Florida, the AAC. I saw him play, right? And, you, and again, very interesting how you're getting guys who are zero stars, who are developmental guys from a developmental program over there in Tulsa in the first round. So they went from being an afterthought in high school to a first-round draft pick in the NFL. I love this guy's attitude. He must have a huge lung capacity. Uh, you can give guys measurables, but you can't measure his heart. This guy has a lot of heart. Uh, he'll stick his head in the hole there, but he can go and cover it at the same time. I guess that's why he's a uh, first round
3: draft. What do you think, Scott? And I heard this morning, he was starting to rise up. A lot of GMs that they I watched good morning football this morning, they had talked about one of uh, the guy Peter Schreger, he talked to a lot of GMs and his name was the, the sleeper that was starting to come up draft board. So um once GMs get a name in their in their head and they start coming up, they fall in love with them, they're gonna take them. Like Jim said, linebacker is the is the defensive running back position. So now, you know, you probably could have gotten him in the second round. He's probably a second round talent, but because GM started falling in love with them, what happens? They pick them. They pick them way too early and they overreach on them.
2: Oh yeah, I think it's an overreach uh
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think USF I mean, guys run by him too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean them in Dallas, they they didn't do their team much favor in terms of, of picking play picking a player. So in the first round. So you could find a linebacker in the third and fourth round, maybe. Not as not as talented, not as as physically gifted as these guys but guys that are smart can pick up the scheme very quickly um just like running backs you find running backs in the second and third round that 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 contribute to team success during the season so you know
2: hey chad what do you think about this uh that guy is 6'6 six, 6'6 six. Six, six, really yeah he's, he's around 6'6 six, six, so uh what's his wings do you know what his wingspan is I don't know his wingspan. thing. I'm trying to remember him playing, but I do know that he was really good, really fast, getting back in coverage. So he can really okay. fast, like running backwards. What do you think about that type of athlete, that type of linebacker, uh, Chad?
4: I mean, it's all about like timing and windows. And I mean, the, the, the more length and the faster you are, the more you can disrupt that. I mean, definitely like as a receiver, like, Going up against a six foot, six two guy and going up against a six six guy with that length, and just the I mean, when they're just in their line their stance and how wide apart, you know, apart their feet are is, is I mean, that's a different uh this different size. I mean, yeah, it, it can um
2: does it throw you off? Let's say you're running air raid, right? You're you're reading the, the coverage, quarterback's reading the coverage, and then you guys you you run your route, right? You either run a vertical route if it's man run across it's a zone it's a zone and you got a six six guy who's running yeah
4: you getting back there that's kind of throw you off yeah that's where it's gonna come into effect is in the zone like in man or if he's trying to reroute me like I, i'm gonna rely on my quickness like i don't think even though you're six six like you're still not as fast as me straight line and you're still not as quick as me so i should be able to give you something hand fight you got long arms get that off me foot race i'm by you but yeah the zone aspect where he's sinking into stuff or coming into windows late being able to that's where it is. That's the speed and the length, being able to just close those windows down and make the quarterback thinks he's got something that's not there just with that pure athleticism. I and mean, that, that, that's a factor. I mean, Love it,
2: man. This information you're not getting anywhere else. Making <laughs> nope. people money. <laughs> Love it, man. Love it. Now you got the greatness of the Las Vegas Raiders,
3: John Gruden, and then you have the yes man. You, you, guys hear who, you guys hear rumors of where Rodgers might go? You hear the third team that's in on that? The Raiders. The Raiders are the third team in on the Rodgers. They think he's, he's going to go oh. to either Denver. Denver is the hot rumor right now, I guess. Denver, San Francisco, or the Raiders. Those are the three teams that were mentioned.
1: You know, with Denver passing on a quarterback at the ninth pick, they did pass on him, right? They threw a corner, right? Well, with them passing, that would lend a little bit of fire to the smoke. Yep. Yep.
2: The other thing I got is that uh, Del Mar, Del Mar racing season, horse racing season, we're going to cover that. Del Mar, California, one of the most beautiful places there is. Both John Elway and Aaron Rodgers live there. So they got easy access to talk to. Uh, I don't
3: know if that's going to well, all these things connect to each other. Right. No quarterback in the first round when they needed a quarterback. No uh, Elway and living near Rogers and Callum- oh. Delmar. That right. all starts to click together somehow, some way.
2: Right. And you saw each other jogging. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> On the, so the Raiders, gonna... Raiders addressed the offensive line for letting three – linemen go in the offseason they do get the 2020 Outland trophy winner Alex Leatherwood from Alabama so they're definitely shored up where their losses were yeah that guy's a
2: monster I guess yeah I'm surprised he didn't go sooner with the guy it's a complete monster
3: uh the Waffle House man there's a lot of pancakes Nice.
0: (laughs) the
3: Raiders Raiders had a strange offseason this this offseason signing Drake, letting those linemen go. It's a strange offseason for them. John Gruden Gruden
2: and Sean Payton, they're the same. They're bringing guys every week. That's why I'm telling Chad, nobody picks you up at the start of the season. Definitely get you a tryout with Gruden and definitely get you a tryout with Sean Payton because they're trying out guys every week. They're picking up guys. I think Gruden has worse ADD than I do. (laughs) He goes for real there boom boom boom. Uh great guy. He doesn't drink, but he'll go to the bar and buy everybody in the bar a drink. And I guess when you're making 10 million dollars a year, you can do
3: that.
0: <laughs> so I'll
3: be in Vegas in September. Should I should I head down to the Raiders complex and see if he'll buy me a drink?
0: <laughs> yeah. Either that or
3: try out or both. <laughs> know what an NFL tryout
2: is. (laughs) Yeah, you got to wait till like, you know, where he goes after he's tired of watching film late. He never tires of watching film, I don't think. Does he? Yeah, yeah, no, he he's a maniac. He was uh, drawing plays, man. After a whole day of watching film with uh, Chip Kelly, he's at the bar with Markham. I'm designated driver, and here's Gruden drawing plays. Oh, and this is the thing with, you know, offensive linemen, right? Something I saw. He – what he believes in – that's why a short quarterback is fine. He he wants his linemen to create passing lanes for his quarterback. Yep. But he's a monster. Uh, Again, he's going to be – he's going to have a fullback. He's going to run the ball. And Andy Reid's his mentor, right? It's a small league, I guess – you have twenty. It, it, it's you got either you have twenty head coaches or offensive coordinators right now. They come from the Andy Reid tree, you know. And you got Gruden, you got him. Uh, you got uh, head coach for your Cleveland clowns. He's an Andy Reid guy. When you got back to the end of the of the championship round, they were all Andy Reid guys. In that round, so it was kind of easy to pick. The only Andy Reid guy was the guy that ended up beating him, which would be Arians and Britain and Left Now, this is a very interesting team. A team that uh, Chad Nolan, we won't disclose stuff, but Chad Nolan is very familiar with your Miami Dolphins, man. What do you think of the Dolphins, Chad?
4: Uh I mean, they um. They got an interesting quarterback situation over there in Miami, that's for sure. How's uh, practice
2: facilities and
4: all that stuff? Oh well, my my workout was off off facility. Um, okay. So I wasn't. Yeah, I was at a, a bar. It was called Barwis bar, uh, Sports Facility. I was at, but um, yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, because they, they they haven't got rid of Fitzpatrick, right? Or is he signed? Yeah, he's out? in Washington. He signed in Washington. Okay, so he's in Washington. So they're going yep. with Tua. Tua, yeah. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. Uh I know Tua looked rough at points last year. We'll see. Um, it'll be a big year too for Tua. See what he can um see what he can do. Uh and what check. Andy yeah, I mean, Reid is for
2: yeah, what Andy Reid is for offense, uh Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick are for defense. So Miami runs the same exact defense that the Patriots do to the T. Except this guy's smarter than Matt Patricia, who couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> who, who couldn't uh, his, his mind right? He, his mind couldn't grasp
3: what he learned with Belichick and translate it to Detroit. So, Jim, let me ask: What do you think about Miles Gaskin as a running so, back? So they
1: have very little draft capital, seventh-round draft pick. So the first thing is we always have concerns there that when teams draft you late, they don't feel heavily committed to you. He showed he could contribute both as a runner and a receiver. So if they don't add competition tomorrow, he goes into the season probably as the lead back and likely – close to a three down roll. He could be a very, very good contributor. And we understand in the NFL, if you're a running back and you have opportunity, you have the potential for a really solid season. And he looked the part when he played last year. So again, with no, if no added competition comes in tomorrow, I'm, I'm not worried about a day three pick, but a day two pick would be problematic. Otherwise, yeah, I think Myles Gaskin to be in for a very productive season. You, you look at him as a top 15 running back in PPI. If they don't add anybody tomorrow, yeah, yeah, it's going is. to be the volume. The volume dictates that he would be top 15 because right. once you get to that stage of the drafts, you've got guys in timeshares. So that yep. puts him right on that fringe in that area where the work would, would make him a top 15 back. Yes.
3: Yeah. That's my fear. Cause I love, I love Gaskin. I had him in a bunch of teams last year and against the Raiders, he scored 35 points in the PPR. So I love him. I I think if he's a, if he's the starter all year and healthy, he's a top 15 running back in PPR for sure cuz he can catch the ball out of the backfield too.
1: Yes, absolutely. Now, it, now, the reason they could look to replace him, they realize that his measurables are average. He's yeah. right about average. His agility is slightly below average. His explosiveness is a tick above. And his speed, his 40 time was 54th percentile. But given his 5'10, 200 frame, his speed score was only 40th percentile. But when he played on the field, as we've seen with many running backs, he was productive. And that certainly says something and yeah. something that they may take note of.
2: Right. Uh, Miami picked uh, Jalen Phillips, Scott. You knowing Bill Belichick as well as you do. Why did his uh, clone
3: protege pick this guy? It's defense. It's all he wants to he wants to control the game defensively. His secondary is really good. Miami secondary is very, very good. So if he could put pressure on the quarterback and force him into mistakes, he can win game 17-14. And with Tua as your quarterback, you know, he two he's looking to have Tua as a a quote unquote game manager. So he wants to win games 17 to 10, like his protege, Belichick. So, Belichi. So, that's
2: the thing that you were missing is that this kid is, has a knack for turnovers. And yes, ex-
3: just when I watched the highlights, he can run down anybody. He is fast and quick. He can catch somebody from 15 yards. And I think he's the type of guy where I had heard on the radio that. He likes to, like, poke at the ball, jam at the ball as he's trying to tackle you to get it popped out so they could create turnovers. So that, that's the whole thing about uh, Bella, a Belichick Patriots-like defense. They're looking to create turnovers, sacks, hurries, pressures, as much as they could possibly do. And this guy, being an edge rusher from Miami, he's used to the weather, he's used to the climate, he knows what to do, he knows how to how – to, you know, go in games, you know, pace himself, whatever. Right. And he, he's – that's why they took him because he's going to come off the edge fast. He's a fast guy. He's going to come off the edge fast. He's going to try to sack, create turnovers, you know, force force fumbles. So, so Chad, right, so the opposite of it
2: is that Bill cheat is known for having the best fumble drills either on defense and teaching his guys ball security – walk us through ball security Chad when you're running up the field you got your ball I guess uh left hand you know to keep it on the field or away from the sideline walk us through that how does that go and how do you nobody did it to you with your speed but you know maybe when you cut in somebody comes back and tries to uh to strip the ball from you or punch it
4: out of you yeah I just think it's like something you got to be conscious about like so like Jordan Palmer uh, who, the quarterbacks coach, that's out there all the time training the quarterbacks. I think mean, he's on the Fox, you know, panel today, you know, doing the uh, he the was draft. He was <laughs> yeah, player. he he says, you know, his, one of his quote from him, you know, the number one thing that really separates a receiver at this level is um, their ability to to like catch the ball and how quick they are to the tuck. Um, so being able to catch it and put it away, just that physicality um, of that, you know, that's like the number one thing in ball security, right, on the catch because like. You know, like, that split second from right when you catch it to when you put it away, like, the DB is coming at it to break it up. And, you know, NFL passes are so – you know, those guys are right there on your back. You know, you're not wide open a lot of the time. Um, Yeah, so just being quick to the tuck is, like, huge for that ball security. Yeah, and then just – you know, you just got to – you just got to, like, you know, consciously, you know, have all three points of contact, you know, um, with the ball and, and, and work drills. You know, one thing, like, for me, you know, this offseason, I got so much faster, you know, like – Coming in, you know, I I I was, you know, when I played in college, I'm you know I'm hitting 21 miles an hour, 21.5 miles an hour. Now, you know, I'm 23.5 pushing 24 miles an hour. When you get that extra two two and a half miles per hour of speed, it makes a huge difference holding the ball. I mean, I was just playing flag right. with some kids at the park, you know, like two months ago, and um, you know I, I I broke free and I'm running so fast with the ball, and I hadn't run with a football in a couple months. You know, I just well. I shouldn't say that I, I, I catch the ball, but like when we're running a route session, you know, we're on the fade, we're catching it and, you know, we're kind of bursting for five or 10 yards. I'm not, you know, running back a hundred yard kickoff where I'm, you know, on a 10 to 20 yard burst. I'm not, you know, I'm getting to 20, 21, 22 miles an hour. I'm not hitting that max velocity. That, I mean, that's just a huge thing too. I didn't even realize I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm I'm so much faster now. It's like the ball just flew right out of my hands because I'm just, I'm not, I haven't, I haven't run with a ball at this velocity before, you know? Running full, those full sprints, you know, doing a sprint workout, holding the ball, you know, that it makes a difference because, you know, like catching a ball, bursting 10 to 20 yards is not, I just caught a fade and now I got 40, 50 yards to go. It's a race. A um, little bit different, you know, so that's about all I got. And to, and to that point <laughs> in the NFL, you see too many receivers
3: holding the ball out, not tucking it in, you know, and they're, they're too susceptible to, to the. To the poke out by the defensive back. You know, a lot yeah. of, you know, like an Odell Beckham. He doesn't hold the ball in. He doesn't tuck the ball in a lot. He holds no. the ball out. He, you know, he's susceptible to that fumble or that hard hit that's gonna, you know, jar the ball loose. So, you know, it's it's just it's just not enough receivers are glued to that to put put the ball in and tuck it in. You yeah. know, the good coaches yeah. teach that. The coaches, that are not so good. They don't teach that as, as well as they should or as it's much a very as they good should. Point. Details matter, right? Like in business,
2: right? There's no exactly. such thing as an insignificant detail. That's why your Pete Carroll's and your Bill Billichies and Nick Satans are so good because they're so detail-oriented. You know, what do you think about this pick? Jermaine, Davis, Kentucky to Washington. I see this as another uh, a reach. Complete reach reach right uh it's a cheap organization schneider it's famous for being cheap he just had to pay out
3: all his partners right jim loves jim loves this pick though a <laughs> <laughs> <No, the> linebacker <laughs> bigger than
1: this linebacker jim you know, I do have to say one thing, though. We do know they have a dominant front four with great pressure without blitzing. They yep. do have solid coverage corners. So if there was a defense that because they don't have a need there, would I have liked an offensive line pick? Yes. But because of the state of their defense, especially if they can free this young man to rush the passer on blitzes when the when the offensive line is concerned with their Defensive front four. This could be a pressure type player that could give them some opportunity to make a difference. Yeah. That's it. What do you think,
4: Chad? Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm not too familiar with this this kid as a player. I haven't really seen any film on him or, or anything like that, so I don't, I, I don't have too. too he's much. a
2: smallish linebacker. He has a lot of speed. It's kind of aerate. Uh, Just uh-huh. think he's going to come on a blitz. Again, chief organization, Ron Rivera, the head coach, is also the head of the scouting department. He's also the GM. (laughs) (laughs) He's also the motivational guy. He went through cancer. He came out, Uh, inspiring story. Again, uh, dominating. And it's interesting now that I'm looking through this, who's the one calling the shots and who's making the decisions? right? Ron Rivera clearly is, right? Defensive guy. Barry Jones clearly is. Robert Slade clearly is not, right? <laughs> Ball-headed guy in shape, spirit guy, towel waiver, get everybody going. Pete Carroll type guy, he knows that. Belichick Carroll, Satan defense to death, he knows how to run that. Uh, John Lynch, Tampa 2, right? We're only going to have two coverages, and I want you guys to be fast. The Jets, he, he has nothing to do with the picks. The Giants, right? The Mara family. Uh, My wife likes the actress, uh, granddaughter from the Mara family. Uh, Giants, for me, have been a complete disaster. Uh, Judge, uh, he's a horrible leader. He gets in a fight with, I forgot, the running backs coach. He beats him up and then he fires him the next day. I don't know if that's the right way to run an organization. He's another Bill Belichick guy. (laughs) Now, I know Bill Belichick has boxing gloves, so if you want to argue with him, he has boxing gloves, and you can go fight him in his office. <laughs> I don't know if that's where Judge got that. He kind of went too far. <laughs> but uh, so, I think what saves
3: him is uh, Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator. So NFL Network saying this could be Caleb Fowley, cornerback. That's what the NFL Network is saying.
1: Now, back to the Jamin Davis pick for Washington. Another benefit of him is he can cover And that's huge, covering the running backs and tight ends out of the backfield. So he, again, could be a systematic fit for them. In terms of ranking as linebacker, I had him low, but the qualities he has do tend to fit in where Washington would be able to utilize him best. And Ron Rivera, and you mentioned this earlier, Josh, I believe he definitely knows what he wants defensively.
2: And the Stoops family knows how to coach defense, right? (laughs) When a national championship in Oklahoma, the brothers, the had coach and the story about Bob Stoops, right? He, he has a heart condition that he got from his dad and his dad died at 77 years old when he was an assistant coach at Ohio High School at 77. Wow. and It was triple overtime and the kid missed the extra point. The Stoops made track <laughs> I'm, <a heart> <laughs> I'm only Man. laughing because Bob Stoops lasted <laughs>
0: Yeah,
3: that poor that's, kicker. Is that I know, that poor kickers. Mr. Kickerster point.
0: Yeah, he was that's, facing third-degree murder that's,
3: that's that's, that's charges. That's life, yeah. Killed the guy when Mr. Kickerster and triple over.
4: I always, knew kickers got it bad, but that <laughs> took the cake right there. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Oh, so, you know, Stoops
2: loves him and make sure the kid has with all his. uh <laughs> Contact oh, in Florida. There pool. is he Tony, he went with a wide receiver, Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett. Uh, wow, just got in the in, in the room. There is Tony,
4: and they got John Ross. Man, they uh, they upgraded that receiver to big time. Tell Kenny, us about John Ross, holiday too. John yeah. Ross. Tell us about John Ross, Chad. Oh man, he's a. Uh, He's, he's looking good, man. He's a, uh, he was wanting to get out of Cincinnati. He was trying to get traded. He kind of was played out there. So I think he's really excited just for like a, you know, what he's portraying to me in our conversations. He's really excited just for a fresh start, just to get with the new organization and get rolling. You know, he's healthy, running as fast as he's ever been. I mean, he's, you know, looking good, 185 pounds, pretty solid, pretty strong. He's been lifting, you know, he looks good. So, I mean, I'm excited. He's uh, I mean, probably one of the most phenomenal college career, you know, i i've ever seen as a receiver, and you know he hasn't really had a chance to break it open in the n f l yet you know it's kind of been her and uh with a you know not a good franchise so we'll see you know hopefully um you know daniel Johnson give him the ball and this can be a a breakout in you know n f l year you know what what he should be you know with what a high draft pick he was
2: yeah and uh Trask is in this draft, my friends, and this is another bill Belichick, uh Nick satan connection right because This guy, along with Kyle Pitts in the second half, and I'll I'll give the head coach of Florida credit, he waited to the second half of the SEC championship. He's getting killed to break out the real offense. (laughs) So when he broke out the real offense, the Alabama defensive coordinator was like, we had never seen any of those plays run all year, right? That's why we covered the week before. We knew that Coach O was going to cover against Florida because they were hiding plays to go against Nick Satan in, uh, in the championship game. So Mr. Judge was talking to Mr. Satan and uh, he had really good things to say uh, how Mr. Tony burned them in the second half. And Florida was really unstoppable in that second half because obviously now we know Alabama had no idea what they were doing and they went up and down the field and they basically just lost that game at one score. These guys are fast burner, Florida speed.
3: That Giants wide receiver room is is crowded and loaded right now. Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, John Ross, Darius Slayton. I mean, they got five really good wide receivers. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to divvy out the, the playing time or whatever, but. You know, they got five talented
4: wide receivers in, in that my, my boy, my boy Alex Bachman on the practice squad. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so
3: <laughs> if Galladay said, goes down like he has the tendency to every yeah. every year. Yeah, Bachman. He
4: got, he's been with them for uh two years now. So I mean he's he's uh going in year three with the Giants, two years of practice squad. He's at a wake forest. Right, nice, yeah. nice wake forest. The guy on
2: the previous podcast, uh, Kentucky Derby, from Wake Forest. And, man, we got better reporting than the Democrats uh, during the impeachment hearings. that were reading newspaper stories. We're getting live direct evidence from people watching these guys on the field. <laughs> we got some really good reporting, man. Love it. Now the Dallas pick makes more sense. A guy who can get really fast back in that zone defense, Jim. Even though you don't know, yeah. –
1: Yeah, absolutely correct. Uh, I still, again, you're going to hear me chirp on the same concepts and that's fine. But yeah, Parsons does have play speed and range. He is very good at navigating through the trash. Uh, Like I said, he doesn't have the great zone instincts and he doesn't have experience in man coverage. That doesn't mean he can't play. If he has to cover, he may be able to the athletic traits he shows could lend themselves to that. And if that's the case, again, you know, it could be helpful in defending, Tight ends and running backs out of the backfield, which is a big part of today's NFL. So, you know, that, yeah. So, again, if that's what they see and that's their, their plan for him, you know, that may ultimately work out for them. I still think they were better served dealing with their deteriorating and aging line, but, you know, that's an organizational choice they made. Yeah. You want to stop those Giants wide receivers. Now we go to the Colts. Uh,
2: we had Graham Honecker that works in the gift departments for Butler University, Indiana, breaking down the final four weeks there. We had Kay Weave, who loves us on Twitter, great fan of the podcast, and we have Andy Hardwick, uh, also follows us on Twitter, and contributes a lot. Uh, the Colts, near and dear in my heart, because they have Marlon Mack from the University of South Florida, who uh, finished off for us Uh what we won 26 games in, in three years. And Marlon Mack was a big part of that at a Brayton, Florida and Brayton, Florida is really important to me because they used to have uh, Frazier play street ball with him. He used to come from uh, Brayton, Florida, St. Pete, Florida, where we had street football games, with William Floyd and Tommy Carter and Frazier. He used to come from Brayton, Florida. So that's where Marlon Mack's from. Uh, Coach Wright, he's the reason the Philadelphia Eagles got to the Super Bowl. He's gotten the best, the most out of uh, Carson Wentz. I think he's one of those coaches that makes a difference. Now, he's an Andy Reid guy, Mm -hmm. conservative Mormon guy who loves his family. However, he's basically married to the game of football, right? Uh he sleeps in the office. Uh he covers a lot for me. That's why I like him. I I send him a card (laughs) every year, him and Andy Reed.
0: (laughs) Thank you, card,
2: for helping my bankroll as you're undervalued in Vegas.
1: That's awesome. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> would, you know, I want to add one thing about Marlon Mack. I heard him mention. Um, Marlon Mack is getting paid $2 million, which is basically severe backup money. So, my guess is they don't have a significant plan for him due to the lack of capital investment. Um, the Achilles. Ninja- I
2: say it's a family team, cheap team.
1: Uh, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice.
2: Another family, cheapo team. Indiana, the per capita income in Indiana is low. Their season ticket uh, stuff is low. Now, the thing is, they have a uh, a game changer as a defensive – as good as Reich is as an offensive guy. Their defensive coordinator should have been the head coach at Houston, really. Uh, that guy's really good. Uh, he comes from Pinkle. Pinkle was the head coach at Missouri – he gets Missouri to the SEC championship game with no talent. He got Washington Huskies to the Rose Bowl with no talent. So he comes from that pink hole defensive scheme. It's kind of unique. Uh, so that, that's why I like the Colts to cover more often than not. And who they could go six and ten or ten and six, but they cover the spread a lot because of these head coaches. Um, neglecting their families <laughs> and just watching Phil 24-7 and getting that extra play, getting that extra...
3: It's always a trade-off in life, right?
1: 100%.
3: Well, plus, he took Philip Rivers, who was basically right. on his last year, and made him into a... a, a not a decent quarterback, a pretty good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Didn't turn the ball over as much as he did with the Chargers. Uh, played, played to what Reich wanted him to do and he ended up throwing for 4,000 yards and, and a bunch of touchdowns, low interceptions. So bringing Wentz in, this is another reclamation project for him. You know, Wentz didn't play a lot in Philly from halfway through the year on he's coming to, to Indy. They're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to, they're going to throw a short game with Wentz. I mean, this, this is, this is right up Reich's alley. You know, like you said, Reich's a football guy. So I would not be surprised if this they win me twelve. Of baseball.
0: Of,
3: yeah, they're going to win twelve or thirteen games this year, more than likely, and they're going to be a four or five seed in the playoffs, depending on where their standing is. And they're going to cause a team some troubles. They caused Buffalo some problems in that playoff game. You know, could have won it. So, great right. All right. Uh, it reminds me of baseball,
2: as far as let's say the angels just did in Madden where you have a guy who's six and 10 has a five ERA and their organization. So either a scout or the pitching coach on the major league, base, he's a, a flaw in the, in the, in the emotion, right? Yep. Says, oh, we get this guy on our team, we fix that flaw. Suddenly this guy's a, 2.0 era guy you get us right. in the playoff so there's a reason there's something that right in him. He's, he has a game plan uh that he sees a scheme that he sees yep.
3: with wins that they're going to execute and this is as they just made a defensive pick this is a team that could go mostly defense in the draft this year and pick up a lot of defensive pieces you know because they maybe a wide receiver they don't need a running back they got their quarterback you know, the line is pretty good. You know, maybe they take a flyer on a tight end late late in the draft if they like one. But I think they're going defense most of the draft yet. Right. And then you look at the
0: marketing
2: angle, right? You got Chicago uh, gets a Big Ten guy. You have uh, now the home of the Big Ten championship. Indiana gets uh, a team that never made it there. <laughs> gets uh, a, a Michigan guy would he uh, pay? Yeah. And Harbaugh really a pro coach. The yep. way, uh, Bill and Satan talk to each other, the, the Harbaugh brothers talk to each other they have basically, uh, you know, NFL schemes, seeing this guy play, not very impressed with him at all. I, I don't think he's as fast as maybe you want a guy to be. I don't think he's as big too. And then I'll ask you guys, uh, these guys did not have access to the gym, right? In the beginning of last year, it'll be interesting too. What do you think, Chad? Not having access to the gym, we—I hate to say—but we did do this. We made a lot of money betting on West Coast, Southern teams who had access to the gym versus teams because of COVID-19 who didn't have access to it. Conservative states—they had no COVID-19 laws or no mass restrictions or whatever—cash uh, force, right? They 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 covered often than not. Then teams that had like Massachusetts, right? You guys had heavy restrictions.
0: Yeah,
4: yeah. What do you think about that, Chad? And you're you're an expert, man. You're a training guy. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine having to quarantine or be like when you got a not when you can't work out or you can't even be active or run or like do go for a walk or do stuff like that for an extended period of time. you heard me talk about it earlier, it only takes five to seven days at diminished speed. Right. So anyone that's had to do that is in a deficit, and then also too like wearing a mask and like running having to run outside or do workout like i mean that's gonna affect the quality of workout i mean you know are you gonna push yourself as hard with a mask and you can't even breathe when you're out running and pushing yourself to you know as far as you can go i mean that's definitely gonna hinder that so yeah i mean you got you got to have access to consistently be working out consistently be running and consistently um, get resisted running in and have resistance training for you know all your weight room stuff, every muscle. If you're not getting that, I mean, there, there's no way. I mean, it's just everything. You're at a high risk for injury. You're going to perform worse. I mean, a whole, a whole plethora of things are not going to be good.
3: Right. And to that, to that point, Massachusetts, high school athletes had to play with masks on. Basketball players Dang. played with masks on. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how strict it was around here, is that you are playing a game and you're, you're sweating and you're doing all that stuff, and you got to wear that mask. And you can't take it off. Even when you go on the sideline, the only time you can take it off is when you're getting some water yeah, and it's... you got to, you know, that, that social distancing stuff, that six foot. But, but I watched, you know, i I live in the Northern Massachusetts and I, we have access to watching all the high school games. And when I watched high school basketball, they were all wearing masks. And when they were taking foul shots, you couldn't stand in the foul line. You had to stand at half court so they were really stringent so that that's why i say i don't know how these athletes did it for the whole season with the masks on and you know football same way if you're on the sidelines in massachusetts you got to wear the mask so it's 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 really hard on the athletes to to breathe to perform at their ultimate
4: even my little brother at oregon state you know they're they're getting briefed in you know for their summer ball last year before the season and they're like all right well uh we we recommend you bring two masks out to the run because about halfway through you're gonna feel like you're getting waterboarded and you're gonna want to switch to your other mask. Holy moly! You know? And I'm like, like, are you serious? That's that's the instruction. Bring a second mask. Not let's not wear this shit. Are you serious?
2: And now we we're, know that we're. all that uh, science is bogus. You can, you can do whatever <laughs> you want outside.
4: <laughs> yeah, wear wear seven masks. It's not. It'll it'll help. Yeah, he'll. Yeah, shoot yourself in the head, and, and you won't die from COVID. Oh, crazy. <laughs> Man, crazy! That's, that's like telling a pro athlete you can't play
3: unless you're wearing a mask out yeah. on the field or on the court or whatever on the ice or whatever.
4: You can't? There's no way you can't do it. You're not going to perform out at your at your best. I saw so. some some people in the ocean the other day in the water with masks on, literally waterboarding waterboarding themselves. It's insane, man.
2: <laughs> I, I gotta go to my wife. I gotta tell her, honey, stop because she's like screaming at people with masks in their car by themselves. Yeah, <laughs> you, can't,
4: you can't make this shit up, you know. No, well,
2: truth is always stranger than fiction. That's always mm. a theme of the podcast. Now you got another Belichick guy. I love this guy Brable because he runs stairs like I do, but he's in better shape. Uh, he got in trouble for those illegal practices, right? The <laughs> <laughs> that same
3: defense again, right? So, it here's a here's a team that needs offensive help in the worst way. It uh, lost a lot, a lot.
1: Yeah,
2: I only want him to keep Tannehill because uh, uh, they always pan to shots of his wife in the
0: stands. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you look online; he always has all these guns and stuff. Terrace yeah, Marshall
1: would be good
0: a good interception.
2: Yeah, he's always good for an interception, so you can cover when you bet against him. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to win a shootout. But they got Henry, man, again—that Satan cheek connection. Derrick Henry, <laughs> the University of Alabama, and you got a, a head coach who's a defensive guy running that zone, waiting for other people to make mistakes.
1: Yeah, I'd like to go with Terrace Marshall at 6'2", 205 here, one of the taller receivers that are in the top grouping here. Definitely tested well. Agility um, wasn't tested, but his explosiveness was 86th percentile. Speed was in the 80th percentile. Again, I know Chad talked about times, uh, but that's where I'd like to see him go. But they went cornerback, so, which is a good pick for them because they need defensive help significantly too. So Farley is their choice.
4: When you say agility, are you talking more like just their sh- like the pro shuttle and then- yes,
1: the two the two the, the cone drill that the two the two yeah. um agility drills oh, the yeah three so- cone
4: and the shuttle yeah. combined yes
1: you get a percentile so- and the, the straight line is just the forty correct so yes we take the two agility drills and we get um the percentile out of those two when they're average together the explosiveness yeah. uh, the broad jump and. The the two jump drills, yeah, the vertical. So those are the two that we use, explosiveness, and then obviously the 40-time. And then we have the conversion for speed score, which builds in their their height and weight.
4: Okay.
3: Do you think that agility stuff is more important for cornerbacks than it is for any other position? Well, Um, realistically,
1: yeah. Well, good cornerbacks for sure, depending. I mean, if they're a slot cornerback, it's huge. Boundary yep. corner, if they're a physical guy, not so much, uh, but definitely receivers and slot receivers. Again, more X receivers, more Z receivers, a little less. But, yeah, it's definitely position within the position uh, that the agility score is useful depending on the type of player you are.
4: I think the agility is a little bit more uh, important for, like, a receiver or a slot than... If you're going to leave a guy on the island, like, you got to be for, like like because th- th- this is the, like you're going to get beat as a db you're going to be put in a makeup position and if yep. you can't run if you can't make up a step when you're beat as a corner like y- you're going to have a tough time you know exactly. so that i think straight line speed is a little bit more important for for a corner because you know if you get beat off the line and you know you can and turn it into a foot race you, you got to have some, some makeup speed there versus like a, you know a safety or a receiver you know like i mean they need to create separation where they're at they don't necessarily need to run 40 yards and catch a guy catch up to a guy that's got to step on them you know
1: yep yep excellent intel yes 100 yeah big time man information
2: you cannot get anywhere else and then we tie it to your finances to make sure you make money watching football
1: Right. Yeah, the Vikings on the clock, the Steelers um, on deck. The, the big buzz has been the Steelers. We're thinking going running back as to whether that's a smoke screen or not. We're not sure. But that would be the possible first spot for a running back like Najee Harris to go off the board, or whether he does or doesn't. We'll find out. But the problem in Pittsburgh it's not that they need a running back their offensive line has gone from one that was elite in years past to really their liability. Now there's a possibility Decastro is the only reliable lineman they have left. Basically there's, it's a no name line outside of that. And this could be a bottom five line. So adding a running back, I do not believe uh, helps them in any way. Addressing the offensive line would be smarter because again, it's a cornerstone position. You could get running backs at any point. But um, we're going to see what Pittsburgh does in two picks. But I am interested to see how they go about it. Because organizationally, over the decades, the running back has been important to this franchise.
2: I love uh, the corporate governance of the Steelers, right? The Rooney family, they made their money, right? Horse racing. They, they were big in the horse racing industry. They were bootleggers with the Kennedy family back in the day. We have prohibition, that's how they made their money. They bought the Steelers and they've been uh, an elite organization, an elite family. And they're not a-holes, they're really nice people. They're diverse, they work hard, the Rooney rule, right? They they make sure that African-Americans get token interviews even though they're probably not getting hired anyway, but at least they're trying, you know? And I am the president of the Orange County California Diversity Council. So, uh, I look at diversity from a uh, professional angle. Diverse companies, and people get it wrong. They think it's uh, uh, race, gender, disability, but it's not. We have a very diverse podcast here, right? Uh, Scott is in the Northeast, and Jim is in Chicago. We have regional diversity, right? That, That is also diversity. And diverse companies, companies that get it right, they make 35 to 40% more free cash flow, which is what you're looking at a business, right? When somebody says revenue, they're lying to you, they're BSing you. What's important is profit. And on top of that, free cash flow. That's what's important. And that's what diversity does, right? And that's what the Rooney family does. So they have Mike Conlon from VMI, Military Institute, very, very disciplined. Intellectual, smart guy, won a Super Bowl, <clears throat> very balanced. Think about how smart he is. Think about how much he got out of Antonio Brown.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> a,
2: a very yeah. difficult nut case. Uh, lack of emotional control. Uh, you know, criminal really. At the end of the day, uh, he's broke, even though he's made all this money. Uh, he can't maintain relationships either with a woman or his family. But Mike Tomlin got this guy to play football for over a decade at yeah. a high level. So that's just picking next. Right. And uh, I, I don't agree with Joe. I think they're going to go with an offensive line because they're smart and it's Pittsburgh. They need somebody to go to Villanueva. Right. Look at Villanueva. Right. He two tours in uh, Iraq. He comes in and uh, it's downed out. Standout guy, uh, Minnesota. I guess it's nice. Minnesota Zimmer, right? Parcells, Zimmer. Uh, their offensive coordinator is interesting. Uh, no, no, Turner's son is the offensive
3: coordinator, right? right? Scott Turner, Scott Turner, yeah, yeah, Scott Turner. That's a good first name, anyway. So, <laughs> hey, better than
1: Steve. But he called
2: you before the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the an attorney. It's been a long week. <laughs> <laughs> they took a tackle. Minnesota took line help. So Zimmer running back uh Darwin Cook protect uh Kirk Cousins. Yep, exactly. I love betting against Kirk Cousins, man, because he always gives you a pick six to
3: dance.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: especially in prime time games, especially in prime time games.
2: <laughs> so, Chad, when you've been playing and a pick six happens, what's been going on? What usually makes a pick six?
4: Um, I would say like a late read, like – number one like quarterback like don't go deep late you know um that's a big pick rule like you know the, the deep ball got to be with timing like you I got a guy beat by five steps but if you throw it late now it's a punt return and the two guys underneath are right, boxing right. It out and um and i would say don't, throwing deep late number one and then like number two just receivers just like giving up or like not like come the DB are really sticking up for their quarterback I'd say that's like the number two things and then third like timing just like zone route timing route timing's bad um the zone like someone drops like you know a DN drops into the zone some type of zone drop with a with a bad timing so going deep late um bad timing and then um
2: so it's a bad read. so yeah so Kirk Cousins has a hard time Reading defenses. And I think I don't think watching him play throughout the years, I think Kirk Cousins problem is uh emotional control. He gets too hyped up, he misses that read, and then boom, he throws that pick.
0: He's
3: made a lot of money though. A lot, <laughs> a lot of,
2: of money, money yeah. It's always better to be lucky than good. What's yeah. it what, what has Kirk Cousins ever won? I'll tell you what, uh,
1: Kirk his- Cousins. Kirk Cousins and Darrell Rivas, they learned how to leverage their <laughs> contracts, right? And, yeah. and monetize their ability to make money. I, they they no. were genius in how they handled their contracts. Oh,
0: yeah. Did get, did Rivas did two, was never
4: even that good. Like, he never get two franchise. two franchise.
0: Yeah.
3: Did, did he get two franchise tags in Washington for $30 million? Correct. Two, that's what you thought, two. He's he's never been that good. He's never been a top twelve quarterback ever. No, never has.
1: But the desperation to have a quarterback who's in the top fifteen or so, yeah, that's huge. And yeah, that's where, and that's where
2: analytics comes in. Where they done studies. <laughs> that's why nobody's ever gotten rich doing technical analysis. But people have money to burn. Do it anyways. And look- like numbers and they and they think that quarterbacks are inordinately valuable the 80 uh, 20 rule right here right it's something that jim's talked about i don't know if i can get it on camera i'll get on camera later it's a book 80 20 rule by robert coke yes he is related to the coke brothers and it's you know pippen and jordan are 80 percent of the 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 Bulls, right? Uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are 80% of the success of the league. So for whatever reason, they got it in their head, that Kirk Custis is going to be 80% of your success. So we're going to give him an, an inordinate or a disproportional uh, income than the rest of the players.
4: Correct. Oh, Even though it just, doesn't make any sense. Revis did a good job marketing, like Revis Island. Like, he would, you know, like just... Was this bit like there? He there was so much hype around him. The team wasn't even good that year. The Jets weren't even a good team that year. But yeah, they just generated so much hype and marketed that Revis Island like the premier corner in the game. You know that Dion, that yeah, he totally made his money off that image and that like. Yeah, no, no, we're all good guys.
2: We want to give our clients a good product and do best. But the reality in life license business that if you had a choice, whether being good at what you do. Or being good at marketing, <laughs> you're going to make more money if you're really good at marketing and you're just good enough, right? The just good enough theory. or the reality of the law.
1: Well, Najee Harris just went to the Steelers, and we're going to see how good a running back is when he has no room to run behind an offensive line with one good blocker left. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think you get a good guy in the second round, second, third round. Yes. Uh, yeah, Najee Harris. Uh, man, uh, Satan has a pipeline, man.
1: <laughs> Is that five Alabama guys in the first round?
2: Five Alabama. So Nick Satan, when he comes to your house to recruit you, he shows up, right? Signing the dotted line right away. With <laughs> a big book, right? And it's all the contracts and the money of the first, uh, first round draft picks. And he comes with, with seven rings. <laughs> seven national championship rings in a big binder and he's like son let's look through this oh first round 20 million dollars first round. <laughs> let me ask you one question before we go would you like to get picked in the first round
3: <laughs> don't go to ohio state don't go to clemson come to alabama you'll definitely go first round
1: yes I don't know if Jacksonville has any inclination to go with a skilled position player here. They have so many needs on the defensive side of the ball. That's really where they're desperate, but it would be pretty cool to see them go for a, a wide receiver here, Rondale Moore. I think he's very small and I know Chenault runs a lot of slot. But, man, this guy is strong and fast for a small guy, and he could really be special. And I don't know if they'll go that route, but it would be interesting to see if they gave that weapon to Trevor Lawrence.
2: I doubt it because uh, Urban Meyer hates Purdue.
1: <laughs> uh, I like that. I like that. And we know Trevor Lawrence isn't making the pick. No, no, no. Well, yeah, no.
2: it, it, this is very interesting, right, because
1: the owner of your Jacksonville Jaguar
2: – his brother is the mayor of London. So that's why uh, Jacksonville likes to go to London. Oh, wow. Low capital income. Jacksonville is known for having the highest percentage of trailer parts <laughs> in any place in the country. So the low uh, capital income is low. So They don't have money for anything, really, uh, much less Jaguar season tickets. So that's why... Uh, Many people think they're going to move to San Diego. Uh, Many people think they're going to move out of there. Uh, He loves going to London, seeing his brother and bringing his team over there and getting the money for the tickets people pay to watch games in Europe. He doesn't care if it's London. He'll go to Germany. He'll go anywhere. Uh,
3: By the the way, that was the sixth Alabama guy taken. Wow. Six. Wow. Six out of 24. So 25% of the draft has been Alabama. First round there, yes.
1: I think the prop bet was five and a half. So they hit the over with eight picks to spare.
2: <laughs> and, and this is a, another guy who's really good at marketing himself. Really, it's Jimmy Sexton, right? He's, he's Jimmy Sexton and his son, uh, great agents. And they are the agent for Urban Meyer. And they're also the agent of your Clay Helton, right? we has got one guy. He did get one guy in the first round, but that's about it. And Clay Helton's making $5 million a year. Right, $5 million a year. And he's coached as many national championship teams as USC as Jim Coventry.
1: <laughs> we know that big round number. <laughs> I've been described with that number on many occasions. <laughs>
0: well, it
2: Evermeyer's interesting, right? He's particular about his offensive linemen. So his offensive linemen have to be able to bend at three positions, right? The knees, the hips, and then the upper body. So he's not going to get a guy that's not like that. Uh, Rondell Moore, never impressed with him, even though they hyped him up a lot in Big Ten Channel. Uh, You know, Big Ten Channel. I hate these guys. They clutter your mind, but sometimes you can't fall asleep, so you put on the Big Ten
1: Channel. (laughs) I don't dispute what you saw on film, but man, I tell you what, his explosiveness and agility drills. 97th percentile in his two explosiveness drills, 93rd in his agility. And that gets me pretty darn geeked up. 5'7", 181. So the weight, you know, it's not great, but at 5'7", he's a pretty, he's a strong dude. Uh, You know, again, at 5'7". So um, I I know, I understand what you're saying. Maybe that will be problematic for him. I'm Uh telling you, man, those measurements... I'm really, really good. What do you think? It's, Chad? A, it's a running back you're talking about. Uh, um, Rondale Moore, slot receiver, 5'7, 181. And his um cone drill, it, both his agility and explosive, there's all four of those, those um tests, they were all above 93rd percentile. He just killed it
4: super quick. Uh, uh-huh. what about and what was his 40 a straight line?
1: Um, it's 96 percentile. So uh, it had to have been four or three something, but again, the time you know, yeah, you had time. With that. what
2: I don't like about him is mental toughness, he was always hurt. Uh, again, off field issues in high school and getting into Purdue. Uh, at Purdue, you have to have like a 3.5 to get in, football players can have a 1.9 <laughs> and talk to, uh. <laughs> That lady in, the, in that office that gives you all those credits from junior, from junior college. He <laughs> did <laughs> you know, there with a coach uh, who makes $7 million a year. Talk about good marketing, man. There's a lot of good people that make a lot of money for very little production, you know. Uh, and that's a head coach, not, not to blame him. Uh, he was a head coach at Louisville for a couple of years. And uh, Purdue, you know, getting $50 million a year from. The Big Ten Network can afford to pay him, so they can go 500 in the Big Ten and have five, seven, five, seven, uh, do it all guys because the rest of the guys are developmental guys. Now, I don't care where this guy gets drafted or if he's an undrafted free agent, he's the next Mike Allstott and he will be a superstar in the NFL. And that is the fullback for Purdue. Uh, he he's a physical specimen uh, he's fast he pancakes people from uh, a running back's position He runs by people uh, when you see him talked very eloquent uh that guy that guy will be good and I, probably he'll probably go to one of the good teams right like seattle or
1: pittsburgh or there's, something there's no
3: like that. to satan uh
1: connection <laughs> yeah. is there <laughs> Who knows, man? Who knows? Who knows? Hey, at fullback, realistically, he needs to be on one of the five teams that actually carries one on the roster.
2: Right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He's he like oh, the- he's, he
3: brought his chair from his house. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: Bringing his own chair.
3: Travis Etienne.
1: <laughs> wow.
3: For real? Oh.
4: Wow. That's your guy, right, Chad? No, no. I mean, that's the running back for Clemson, right? Yeah. Yes. That's, a Trevor, that's a, a Trevor Lawrence pick.
0: 100%. But
4: who did he go to?
3: Cle- Clemson. He went to Jacksonville. Wow. That's a Trevor Lawrence pick.
4: Wow. Trevor Lawrence did get in there and get a pick going already. <laughs> <laughs> He's he like, we're paying pay you go, 20 go, billion. Man.
0: You need to do some
4: scouting, bro. <laughs>
3: Jim, that's bad news for James Robinson. Oh, I he's
1: think. done. Yeah, James Robinson's
4: done. I mean, yeah. now at best he's going to see seven touches a game. Hey, Etienne, <laughs> Etienne, can be good though, man. He's uh he's explosive and he's I mean he's thick. You know, I think he'll be able to take the blows and break those arm tackles and stuff in the NFL. I think that'll I, that, that could pan out. That could pan out.
3: Trevor Lawrence. As, as, Trevor Lawrence knows where to get him the ball, too, if he's in the receiver.
4: Exactly. He's good out of the backfield receiving. He's a nice little check down safety blanket for Trevor Lawrence. For a young quarterback that's in his first time when the game's speeding up, having a guy he's already played with multiple years, huge advantage. Wow.
2: Yeah, he's a blur, right? He's a blur. And he's what Chad, man. I'm learning a lot from Chad, man, is that that rapport, right? That rapport is important. that's huge. That's like
4: me, me and my little brother, you know, we always talk about, man, if we ever linked up, you know, like we've been running routes and throwing stuff and his scramble drill and him, me, him trusting me. And I'm, you know, like, you know, playing together and stuff like that and being around each other, man, that that you can't, I mean.
2: Well, that's the plan. Maybe, hopefully, you know, he gets, he gets drafted in the first round by one of these broke teams. And he's
3: also the Scott. Yeah. Like the brother of the team. (laughs) <laughs> like the burrow to chase and the two to, to waddle combinations those are those are going to be really good maybe not this year coming up but next year and yeah. the few years after
4: they, yeah. they're going to connect big time yeah. so you know what, what jamar chase and what was the other one waddle and who
3: waddle and Tua.
4: Tua, that's right okay
3: yeah yeah
4: and then who who got uh who Devonte smith go to philly philly, philly? yeah yeah, that's a Deshaun. Yeah, Jalen. Were- Jalen Hurts. Jackson. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Exactly. Yep. That'll be. Yeah. So,
3: I mean, that's that's what it is. I guess.
4: You know, honestly, that could be Jalen. That could be Jalen Hurts. You know, who do you want, Jalen? You want a, a tackle, or you want a weapon to throw to? And Jalen, yep. I mean, being his powerlifting background, the way he can run right. the ball, you know, he's not a fragile. He might say, you know what, I got that. Give me Waddle because I can go throw that thing out. He can go get it. You know, he's explosive. You know, I need give give me that weapon that I know I can put it out there where only my guy can get to it. I can just chuck it. It's either going to be long at everyone or Waddle's getting there. You know, that's a nice guy to have sometimes. Hey, Chad,
1: what are your thoughts on Jalen Rager? I'd like to hear what you think of him going into a second year.
4: Uh, I haven't. Man, I haven't. So my buddy River Craycraft, he was with the Eagles last offseason. The Eagles cut him right after that draft. They got Jalen in, and we were working out. You know, we had talked about. You know, we knew the draft, the name. You know, out of TCU or um, you know, I saw like his clips. You know, on the draft. Um. So I mean, his calls are good. I didn't. I didn't really keep up with him too much last year. I don't have. uh, but um you know rivers actually with the 49ers now he uh he got picked up there um but yeah we um yeah we didn't i didn't really dive into anything um in depth you know about him as a as a player but yeah i just uh i don't you can you fill me in on i, I don't think he had a breakout year did he
1: well, yeah, you know, last year, because really Carson Wentz, it was a train wreck with him. They had no offensive line protection. And so basically it was kind of a lost season for him. So that was, you know, one, I'm kind of trying to see under the, you know, the hood of what's going on. We know he's 5'10", 206. He was a first round pick last year. Yeah but he only caught 31 passes for 396. Now, what I liked was in the last two games when Hertz was in um, and not that week 17 game they threw, he saw seven and eight targets in the two games so 15 targets. So they started to get him the ball a little more, which I thought was good. His calling cards is explosiveness, 97th percentile um, uh-huh. agility. Not really 18th, but he's really more of your Z anyway. He's going to be a yeah. downfield guy.
4: So. What was his combine forty laser time? Because I think Waddle is going to be a more vertical. I think Waddle's a legit four three on lasers. Was what he was like a four four four? If I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, Rager had to be slower because I only have a percentiles, but 65th. and that would be probably in the four yeah. above the four or four
4: range. So you're right out with that. I think it was like a four four four. If like I'm like ninety nine percent sure. Um, but yeah, I think Waddle might be like a four three four guy um, where he's got that little, you know, more of that does maybe even faster, you know. Like Deshaun Jackson, John Ra, you know, four two two. He might even be a Waddle. Waddle might have four two nine potential. He might be faster than Devontae Smith. He might be the fastest guy, you know, with that track speed. No, um, he, he didn't run, so we don't know. Um, so I think that that could be a huge man. Speed kills and a tenth, two tenths, like this stuff on the forty. Like this is a game of inches. Like when we're running on those spade balls, like having that extra speed to get to that thing off the fingertip. I mean, it is so. I think. I think. um if Jalen had the insight on that pick, man, I think it could be, uh, you know, they could be hooked up, and it could be a good connection. It'll be fun to watch, that's for sure.
3: Was was Regan battling injuries at the beginning of the year last year too? Was that another thing? He did have a camp
1: injury, and he may yeah, have been right limited in week one, maybe even week two. But he, yeah, but he did get in fairly quickly. I think I have the amount of games played. Let me see if I have that. I may not have that in my. No, I don't have the amount of games played here. So no, oh, he played eleven. Yeah, he only. No, I think that's right. So I'm gonna just bounce off of. Well, looks like 11 games played. Yeah, 11 games played. So we did miss some time. Yeah.
2: That Cleveland analytics team, the Pedestria. I thought they got lucky last year because they have uh, Callahan as the offensive line coach. Wherever he goes, that team goes to the playoffs or the Super Bowl or something. <laughs> right? it, it, they were an outlier. Um, I won money covering the spread against the other analytics team for Carolina. And your Detroit Lions, Matt Patricia. Um, Bob Quinn was GM. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: but I had to do some Hawthorne trick. We were sealed on Cleveland as they started covering at the end. And our guy, Baker Mainfield, our turnover m- machine friend.
3: That's the Bella cheat tree. Bob Quinn and Patricia. So. All right.
2: And they went off the reservation and try to do analytics. <laughs> now, Bill Cheek does statistics, right? And he does facts, statistics that turns to facts, to direct evidence, right? Like Andrew Cuomo. That's what <laughs> Bill Cheek does. But Bob Quinn and uh, Patricia was a clown show, to say the least. And Patricia in public would give the wrong definition of what analytics will, is. He said analytics makes decisions for us. Right? No, Animal gives you information. You exactly Bat Matt makes the decision. I know now you're in uh New England where Belichick's making the decision. <laughs>
3: That's why Stafford didn't want to come here because Patricia came back. Oh, God. And that was one of the reasons, I guess.
0: Yeah.
3: Northwestern defense, man. They got two
2: guys. I love them. They covered for me eight times last year, including against Justin Fields. And uh, really, I mean. Uh, uh,
3: that was Field's worst game in college, Northwestern, wasn't it? Pardon me? That was Field's worst game in last year, uh, Northwestern, right? Right. That's what uh, they, they, was, they were saying earlier. Yeah, other than the
2: Alabama game, right? <laughs> yeah. Whatever we yeah. believe Defense, uh, Justin Fields didn't do good. Uh, Mankiewicz, you got to love him. He coached like 20 years in Northwestern. And man, he's one of those guys that with zero talent, <laughs> you can see him willing his team <laughs> to play well and make a play, right? Uh, two guys off that developmental. And there's a lot of money in that, right? Cochran, uh, who was the, it's interesting, man, the whole conditioning thing, right? Because you have Brady filing with, but bellachite about conditioning <laughs> with his conditioning, the conditioning of the Patriots versus his guy, right? Is the, uh, you know, yogurt guy, wor- yogurt, ice cream guy, Cochran at the university of Alabama makes $1.2 million with his friend, Kirby smart at Georgia. So now the guy at Alabama makes a million dollars, but the guy in Northwestern must be good. Cause they got two first round guys, offensive lineman and a cornerback developmental guys, Guys who actually had to go to class, so they're smart guys. They're going to keep their money, make good investments. And, uh, again, solid pick, man. I like like that pick. He's a zone guy. He'll understand what to do. He's a tough guy. And what I like about him, you know, one of the benefits of watching the Big Ten championship, he was crying talking about how he cried when they lost to Ohio State. The other year, and then he's like, yeah, "I'm not going to the NFL. I'm going to stay here so I can get another shot and beat Ohio State." And man, they were one play away from from beating Ohio State in that in that uh, in that uh, Big Ten championship. But thank you because we got the under, and they
3: <laughs> and they easily covered the 17 point spread. <laughs> do do you ever do, do you ever bet on out Al- on or against Alabama at all? Or is the spreads just too big? Because I know the spreads are like huge with them in most of their games.
2: I, I would stay away from them unless it's like super inflated. Okay. Where, where it's kind of out of control, um, inflated, right? And yep. you never bet your own team. And you got to watch your thinking about your emotions. So when they had crystal Ball, the Cuban offensive my coach, right? <laughs> I want my Cuban guy to do well. So I got to stay away from that. Because I right, have a right. biased approach to it, and this is a business decision. We look at it, this is a business decision. Exactly. We'll have exactly. We biases, and we'll have our fan favorites. So uh, you can't be hundred percent unbiased, but you got to make attempt. And then, absolutely, yeah. you have any kind of emotion, little connection, you can't. bet. I can't bet Oregon State, man. Chad. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah.
4: Tough.
2: New England's a different story. New England, man, they get those unders. Uh if they cover the next week, they're probably not gonna cover because the line gets inflated. Yep. But Bellichi gets a lot of unders usually. Now that the Brady isn't there and he's putting it all on the defense, more often than not, those Patriot games have gone under for us. So
3: we're about I, I would think years. yeah, I would think about 10 or 12 of those games are gonna go under this year,
4: this coming year, Patriots wise.
0: Uh-huh.
4: Yeah. <clears throat> Hey, did you guys talk about Caleb Farley, this Virginia Tech corner, at all? I don't I don't know. we haven't, man. Let's know. Hey, um, he sat out last year, if I'm correct, because of COVID and did not play. Uh, the reason I say that is because my buddy Braxton Burmeister, the starting quarterback there at Virginia Tech, was telling me about this wow. corner they had that that's legit. He's like, yeah, down in San Diego we have, like, in the offseason, um, when all the college dudes are home, like my brother, we got the starting quarterback at Virginia Tech, San Diego State. Uh, just a not a starter, but a quarterback from Utah, and then we got Luis Perez, who's in the XFL. Um, he's a pro guy. Went with the Rams a little bit, um, but yeah, Braxton was telling me he's like, yeah, we got this corner man. He's legit. Like runs for like faster than like he's he's like I'm like he's faster than me. He's like he's faster than you. Um, he was I mean, and he looks like I mean, uh, but did, can anyone look if he did sit up, if this is the right guy?
2: Yeah, no. It's, uh, well, my stuff is tied up, but. Well, I'm definitely going to look at it. Now, Burmeister, yep. the connection with him is uh, he got recruited to Oregon by my guy, Willie Taggart.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got um, Anthony uh, – oh, what's the quarterback uh, who backed up – Anthony Brown, who played in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he, he's out there too. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a cool It's a cool group. It's a fun group for sure.
2: Yeah, no, uh, Willie Taggart, he was a head coach of USF. He's the one that recruited Martin Mack. And the guy who's the returner for um, Cleveland. And uh, Marlon Matt, I mean, uh, Willie Taggart, man. He's a great recruiter, horrible X's and (laughs) O's (laughs) guy. But we got uh, Dick Toomey, the late, great Dick Toomey from Desert Swarm. He came in there and did our X's and O's for your USF Bulls. Yeah, Burmeister. Uh,
4: Yeah, Braxton's a stud, yeah. Him and my brother coming out are gonna be probably both first rounders.
3: But Fowley did Fowley did send out last year.
4: He did. He did. Yep, that's the guy. Then yeah, that's who Braxton was telling about. Yeah, and so. he,
3: he has COVID right now. That's why he wasn't at the draft. Tonight. Oh no way, but Geez. Yeah, he's
4: got COVID. you can't make that stuff up. <laughs> no.
3: no, I know, I know.
4: Yeah. So you know. Braxton, my boy Braxton, told me that he's a stud, so I'll take his word for it. I bet, uh, you know, he said he's legit in every category and that he can play. So, oh yeah, yeah I think
3: I think Jim talked about him. Tennessee took him, so I think Jim mentioned him when when Tennessee took
4: him. Yeah, that they yeah. needed him. So Brable,
3: well, he's in a good spot, man.
2: Brabel's a great coach.
4: All right, good stuff. Rashad Bateman
2: just went row your boat. Gets a receiver. The head coach. Uh, I forget his name, but that's his mantra, roll your boat. For us, on the podcast this week, the mantra has been, there's always another meal, abundance over scarcity, and next Motivation Monday is Jim Cumbertree with another message. <laughs> last week, it was think outside the box, last month, it, almost, it seems like last week, things go by so fast, but it's think outside the box, contrarian thinking, and people who are contrarians make more money sports betting than anybody else. So, Rashad Bateman, the University of Minnesota, row your boat. Right? Uh,
3: he was over- a. The Packers pick should be interesting. right. They're going quarterback.
2: <laughs> I think they got to go offensive line, right?
3: I would think gotta, so, but are they going to try to appease Rodgers by taking a wide receiver or are they going to...
4: The, who are the top receivers left on the board right now? But Rondale Moore
1: is a small guy. Terrace yeah. Marshall is about one of the only ones that's um, at least somewhat of a close to prototype size. Elijah Moore tested well. He's another small one at 5'9", 178. And then it really falls off like Nico Collins, Dwayne Eskridge. Miami Brown. You need to get
2: Chad Nolan, man. I'm drafting free relation up in there. (laughs) making some
1: plays.
2: (laughs) Sure got on third down.
1: All right, man. I got a few responsibilities that I got to tackle here. So I am going to be out. Appreciate hanging with all of you on draft night. No, we appreciate you. Thank you so much,
2: man. So we'll see you on on Saturday. Saturday, bam, right on. Very excited. (laughs)
1: <laughs> all right, take care, everybody. Enjoy
4: the night. All right, all right, Bye, care. Jim. Thank you, Jim. All right, all right. How many more picks we got left? We got uh, four. Four more picks.
3: 28, 30, 30, five. Five more picks. Five more picks. Next is
2: New Orleans Saints, man. Uh, get your workout in there with Sean Payton. Bring in, in guys every day. <laughs> Sean Payton, again, he's a control freak, so he's he also the general manager, pretty much. He's also in the scouting department.
3: <laughs> uh, he sells tickets during the uh, off season, right?
2: <laughs> Big problem there is that the young—I think she's like thirty years old. Man, she married the eighty-eight-year-old uh, Mister Benson. She gets the team because <laughs> he hates all his kids. <laughs> Uh, interesting the way he's running He probably is the president <laughs> of the freaking Saints as well. Uh, Jameis Winston, there's no way he's going to be the starting quarterback, right, Scott? What do you think? Jameis Winston?
3: I'd like to see it for, uh, for the Alvin Kamara shares in fantasy, but... I don't know. He loves Taysom. Taysom Hill must have pictures somewhere of, of Peyton. <laughs> and, and... I, I, think Jam-
4: I think Jameis is because he's out here in San Diego working out with uh, my, one of my buddies as a receiver, actually on my arena team. Oh wow! He's been, he's, uh, been working out with them um, and like Chase Daniel and Todd Durkin, who's Drew Brees' trainer. Wow! Uh, he's coming out here to be with Drew Brees' guy, getting in the gym with Chase Daniel. Todd Durkin's the the trainer. Um, here in San Diego and throwing out here with Chase Daniel and a couple others. So uh, and a couple, then I saw some Saints receivers were out here. They just did a workout out here in San Diego with. Um, I want to say it was like Ty Montgomery. He's on the Saints, right? Yep. Uh, uh, no, he's on the
3: Jets. I think. You no, he is on the Saints. He is on the Saints. Yeah, it
4: was Montgomery and another. They're both Saints guys. So I mean with that, I mean, it looked like he's got a good shot to be the starter. I mean, that he's doing that. he's he "Breeze got Breeze trainer out here with two of his receivers. Um, so, I don't know. We'll Joe see. Breeze
2: is like sitting with him for a couple hours, teaching him the offense, right? They're probably going through film in San Diego. They're in the area. I
3: think, yeah, and I think the one thing that, that goes in James's favor right now is he never had the coaching in Tampa like right. he has in New Orleans. Peyton right. will coach him up really well, so... Yeah. I don't. I don't think he's going to turn the ball over nearly as much as he, he did in Tampa. He knows this is his last stop. In Tampa, yeah. he was kind of like a king there.
2: Uh, you know, he had a lot of swagger in the community. He kind of feels invincible. Yep. That's why he keeps committing crimes because feels invincible. And nobody holds him accountable. But this is exactly. the first time he's been accountable. And this is the act. He isn't the brightest star in the. He is the brightest star. He is smart. But he hasn't applied himself to anything else in his life. Exactly. Exactly. So football is it, man. So it, it's kind of a shock to him to see, hey, this could be over. And if it wasn't for the Saints helping him, nobody else was gonna get him because he's a pariah, right? From a,
3: from a, And from- I think he realizes all that, all that too, that it didn't didn't work out in Tampa. So this is my shot to make it work in
4: New Orleans. So I, I've got to, I've got to make it work. And by right. his actions, it seems like he's approaching it that way for sure. Being out here in San Diego, being with Drew Brees' trainer, getting the same weight, same exact stuff Drew Brees does, exact workouts, same guy. Drew Brees been this guy for 20 years since he was in San Diego with the Chargers. <laughs>
0: um,
4: so, I mean, with that, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, like Josh said, they're probably linking. You know, Drew's out here in San Diego. They're probably linking up and going over stuff, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what you would do, you know, trying to take that step forward, like knowing this is my last go-around. I gotta, you know, got a second chance, I gotta make the most of it. Right. He didn't
3: sign for for a huge contract to come back. I don't, I think he what 10, 11 million or something like that, maybe
4: yeah. something like
3: that. So yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, he, he took uh, supposedly he took less money to go through that, to go through the instruction, to go through the mentorship
3: of. Yeah, he learned the year under Brees last year. Learned what he had, what the offense was, what he had to do. So it embarrassing. I agree with Chad. I think he's a core, cool, I think he's the quarterback for, for New Orleans. Yeah.
2: And I think it's embarrassing how well Tampa Bay did
3: without him. <laughs> I know. I know. Well that that's thanks to the to the Brady, Brady, unfortunately. But hey, yeah. AAC got
2: a couple guys in the first round. University. Of Houston, he's a closer, man. He comes off that edge, right? And uh, he can close the game for you on third down. He's a good run stopper. He has a good uh, upper body, a uh, strong guy. He has a strong motor. He can go on and on and on and on. Houston, right, uh, their, their coach really runs those guys. Uh, it, you have to be in shape to play at Houston now hot, humid place uh, that fits with uh, New Orleans, right? New Orleans is hot and humid out there in the sun. He's going to be good.
4: Man, I I didn't even realize how much the heat – like, today it was about 95, 96 in Temecula, and I put my helmet on for the first time in a while. (laughs) I'm catching balls, you know, working out my quarterback with my helmet on, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I wasn't, like, cardiovascularly. Winded, but I was overheating. I was having heat exhaustion, you know, like I feel like I'm going to pass out in that hot ass helmet, 95 degrees on that hot turf, the sun just baking down. That heat is a huge, that, that makes such a big difference. 80%. Uh, <laughs> 80, <laughs> 80%. 80%. That's what I'm saying. That is a huge factor, man. Wearing that helmet in the heat is, I mean, if you have some ice towels, though, you can cut, you can. You know that that's that. Those ice towels are crucial. They'll just get cooling that core temperature down. Just dumping that ice water on your head. But yeah, yeah the heat is no joke. No, no, makes, makes a big Not, difference. Here, here's Scott's
3: Packers. What are you thinking about the Packers, Scott? Uh, they need to take a wide receiver. They they don't. I mean, are they going to trust MVS and Lazad again this year coming up? I mean, you got Devante, obviously tanyan i don't think is going to have the same type of year as he had this year so and the rogers stuff throws everything into in flux here is he going to get traded is he coming back is he what is what is he going to do so i have a feeling they'll probably go defense but i, I try to get a, get a receiver if you could with this pick is jordan
4: love ready to go
3: they say he's ready to go the coaching staff says they have complete faith in him that if Rogers wasn't there that he could take over uh, Whether that's true or not I don't know he, he didn't play much in games last year so I don't know if I would ever give that up man being the big fish in a small pond he owns the <laughs> Wisconsin. he can do no wrong he can run for he, he could run for mayor or governor and, and win in the landslide absolutely so
2: <laughs> oh exactly.
3: You know MVP, multi-time MVP. You know he's going deep into the into the playoffs, possible Super Bowl He walks into
2: he walks into a sorority house and <laughs> <laughs> you
3: know freaking Aaron Rodgers. He goes on Jeopardy. He's a hit. He, he I mean he's he right. was dating Danica Patrick for a while. I mean. I mean he could have what basically whatever he wants. Right. And if he's in Green Bay, he's got a shot to get the Super Bowl every year. So oh. I don't know why he's he's barking at this. He wants a contract that, that pays him the highest.
4: Is he, is he past Brett Favre at this point? I mean, he what he how, how long he's been there and what he's accomplished there? Is it is it past Brett Favre? He's
3: around the same as Brett Favre except I think Favre won a couple Super Bowls. He's won one right now, so Right. Um, but he's all about that stuff. That's the thing. He, 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 in his mind, is all about that stuff. How many wins does Favre have? How many wins do I have? Right. How many Super Bowl titles does he have compared to me? Probably has, playoff...
4: more... huh? Roger probably has more NFC championship appearances, huh?
3: Yeah, because Favre played in one in Minnesota, so other than that, I think Favre, I think, uh, Favre played in two or three overall. Rodgers has played in at least four, I think, so. But he's only won the one Super Bowl compared to five, one, one, one or 2. I'm not sure how many he's won. but um, Yeah. But you get drafted by Green Bay, stay in Green Bay your whole career, you know, build numbers that nobody can reach. Right. You know.
4: I mean, he basically replaced Favre, right? Yeah.
3: Yep. He did. He did. So we got another. Uh, another corner back here.
2: Another Nick state and bill Bellity connection, right? His coach was Kirby Smart. who <laughs> <His> coach with <was laughs> state in Miami. Uh, the same defense again, Will Muschamp. Now, Mitch, Mitch, I like him. I've met him personally. He's a member of Mensa. He's one of those really smart guys. He, he's very personable, uh, real down to earth. And, man, he can coach
0: uh he, coached in,
3: he, he was head coach of Florida Muschamp, right? Yeah, okay. So I'm thinking Kirby Smart. I'm thinking M- Muschamp and Kirby Smart are the same
2: guy. <laughs> both coach for Nick Saban. Uh, they both look the same. <laughs> they both run the same defense. So it's Kirby Smart, the guy I'm thinking about. Kirby, and that's a, the joke with him. Kirby Smart is smart. He's a member of Mensa. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so wow. He, He's very. He's an intellectual guy. Uh, he makes his. He has a great uh, tutoring program where all these guys are smart. Literally, <laughs> uh, he he, he makes sure they're they, they invest well. They're and they're good off the field. Uh, so it's the same. It's the same defense. All these teams are running the same defense. Uh, in in uh, oh yeah, we got our guy in Green Bay. We got a new defensive coordinator at Green Bay. Uh, yeah, they got rid of Petten's, so they. You get rid of uh, but it's the same old, same old. It's the same defense, the same guy that ran the same defense. It's a real old guy who's really behind the scenes running that defense, designing it from this point. And it's the same defense. So we got Baltimore, Seattle, the Patriots, right? Now Green Bay. Really Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a little bit of zone blitz, right? Which Tampa Bay's running. Uh, but they're all running the same defense, same zone type defense. So, what do you think about those defenses, Shad, versus you know more of a man press defense?
4: Um, just just zone versus man in general. Yeah. Um, I mean, why are those zone defenses so successful, man? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't zone to me is like I don't I like if you're not if you're not getting hands off the line, I, as a receiver, prefer zone. I'm like, if you're just going to let me free run into my routes, like I don't think anyone can cover me. Like there's no way you're giving me a free run up the field to set you up. Um, I, I think man can explode. I don't have a problem with man coverage. I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, man is even, a, is even, you know, but you went right off the line. It's even easier. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I definitely think it can expose some guys. I mean, some guys have trouble, you know, off the press. You know, you got to be, uh, you got to be well rounded. I mean, well, again,
2: I, think, uh, I think in the NFL, right? It's different. Guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. They don't give you a free release in zone, right? There'll be a guy that'll bump and run you a little bit. Yeah. Or, or a linebacker might be able to bump and run you and then have the agility to get back to where they're supposed to be or fake it and blitz, right? So, yeah. You're never going to get, like, a free release off the line off these guys' zones, pro guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you might in high school and college. Well,
4: I, I more mean, like, on the outside. Like, if you have a, a cover three corner that's playing eight or nine yards off you, you're getting a free release every time. You know, he's right. not – but if you're in the slot in the zone, yeah, the backers are, are going to be rerouting and, 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 and doing all that for sure. Right.
2: Well, and there's always a safety deep. If uh, because the cornerback is going to get hands on you, so if the quarterback cornerback misses or whiffs or whatever, there's always uh, a safety deep that's going to come get you. But still, that's that's hard to do with a fast guy like you. You're gone. But the quarterback has to read it too.
3: Man. Yeah. It, and a lot of times you see the wide receivers where they do. They sit down in the, in in the gap in the zone. And if right. if like sometimes like the Tampa Green Bay championship game, you know. Tampa threw over the top of it to to okay. Miller. I don't I think that was a zone, but I'm not sure. If you if the cornerbacks the aren't communicating well and they you know they don't they get confused with the handoff, the guy's gone. Guy right. goes right by in the zone and he's gone. And a guy like a Brady or a Rogers, smart quarterbacks like that can read that and get the ball where it needs to be.
4: So yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. So hey, run enough man.
2: So you're not 100% what defense there.
4: Yeah, and, and on that play you're talking about, Scotty Milner got a free run. No one ever put his hands on him. No one ever slowed him down, right? He's yep. right exactly. up the field. You exactly. know? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if you give – I mean, that's, that's the easiest thing to me. Like, if you're just going to, like, play 10 yards off of me and let me just run up and, and like, that, that's, that's, that's tough. I mean, that's way right. – then, then someone slowing you down the line of scrimmage, slowing your velocity down. And you have to reaccel, you know, accelerate. It's gonna slow you down. It's just, you know, that play. You know, you got you got to get hands on that free release. Yeah, zone, yeah. The zone's only gonna work That's so.
2: That's a death good, You know,
4: good receivers are gonna kill you in a zone. Yeah, that was
2: late. In, that was late in the first half, and you can see Green Bay looks at Scotty Miller like, oh, Scotty Miller, whatever. <laughs> Boom, Brady hits some quick touchdown. <laughs>
3: exactly. And just like the Raiders Jets game earlier that year, Rugs went over the top of the zone. The yeah. quarterback's handing him off to the safety, and the safety just watches Rugs go all the way down, and Carr hits him for a sixty-yard touchdown, wins the game with like ten seconds left. Same, yeah. same thing. So, you gotta zone is to- tricky sometimes.
4: Yeah, I did on that prevent. They should have a guy right in front of Rugs, like, okay, you're gonna have to run right or left around me, and I'm gonna slow you down instead of just. But the fastest guy in the NFL Just run, Make it a race
3: I mean you gotta look at the circumstances It's Gruden It's 15 seconds left in the game What, what do you think he's gonna do He's gonna tell Rugs, Hey just go deep Kyle will get you the ball he threw it. That's exactly it, what happened
4: Yeah I remember watching that live I couldn't believe that play. That was insane What did they think was coming
3: Right <laughs> That's right. what coach. That's what costs these coaches jobs when they do stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and
2: a lot of it is uh, emotional control because these coaches are so emotionally exhausted. Yep. Right, that they freeze up. I've heard of coaches off the court freeze up in the in a booth. And suddenly you have the you know grad assistant, or you have. Uh, your running backs coach calling the play because the offensive coordinator <laughs> hasn't slept for four days. It's freezing right <laughs> now. <laughs> and you have, uh, have you ever seen that happen, Chad? When you were in college or anything where just, you know, uh, the running backs coach is not calling the play because the offensive coordinator is either pissed or something happened to him.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, that never happened in my school because my, my offensive coordinator only had like four plays. So, I mean... <laughs> Two formations and four plays, you know, it wasn't really much to take from run, run, you know, it was kind of but yeah, I think it's uh you no, know, I, I was watching this this TikTok thing that day. It was funny though, it was like, you know, sometimes like a, a position coach will tell a a, a kid like a receiver or a linebacker or something to do something, you know, and then it's like right. they're in film and, and you know in their position meeting, and then they're in the full meeting and they're watching film with the defensive coordinator's like, Why, why'd you do that, son? He's like, you know, when, when he drops here, you know, go middle. And then the, he's like, why 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 when he dropped there did he go middle? He's like, that that's what coach told me to do. And he's like, I didn't tell you to do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> position coaches doing stuff like that. That's funny. That that was a good joke because I mean sometimes like yeah, position coaches will tell you something slightly different, you know, than your than your OC occasionally. Like, but yeah, that, that, that was I thought that was funny.
2: But so now we got a speed guy from Florida. Um, this tells me that my guy can't pick Miami hurricane games because they have a Cuban head coach, <laughs> but, uh, he, he can recruit, man. He's going to, he goes there with a gold chain, right? The turnover chain, $50,000. <laughs> uh, he did a great job recruiting. So what do you think about this pick Scott, your enemies, those
3: Buffalo bills coming off
2: the edge, that zone McDermott,
3: just, just what they need. Another speed defensive guy on, uh, a- to go after cam or who or, or Mac Jones. Um, good pick, you know, they need some defensive help. I think they're, you know, they could also use a running back, but, um, I think they're more focused on the defensive again, tendency with the coach McDermott defensive guy loves to, would love to run the ball and play defense, just like Bella and Flores and all those other guys. So, um, that's a good pick edge guy, edge guys. You can never go wrong with, um, he'll coach them up. He'll get them, uh, You'll get him going um, you know, for Buffalo. He has a lot of talent, but he
2: has, he lacks emotional control, emotional maturity and like guts, right? He touched on fortitude that guy, he has a lot of talent. So I could see them getting somebody else on the defensive line, speed guy, they're always picking guys from Florida from Buffalo. Those guys department guy.
3: Yeah, once December comes and the snowstorms are raging, I don't know if these guys are going to want to go out and play. But um, 100%, I agree. He's a young guy too. I mean, I think he was only a sophomore when he came out. So yeah. he's he's a young guy. So he's got, you know, hopefully they can again keep him, keep him stable, keep him in the, you know, in the um, in the locker room, tell him the do's and don'ts. That's the other thing with Manny Diaz as well. Manny Diaz uh,
2: runs some really brutal workouts. Some really nasty, brutal workouts. He's a former defensive coordinator. He kind of runs the defense too as far as conditioning and stuff like that. And, man, that heat in Miami is horrible. Chad, uh, what time of year did you go to Miami?
4: Uh, It was like June. It was pretty hot. It was like 90 – Degrees, 92 degrees, about 98% humidity. Yeah. Okay.
2: No, I went through. I mean, it was a long time ago. It was 1990 when I graduated from high school. And uh, I was on the basketball team. And in the middle of summer, they said, Bobby Bounce coming for a famous three-hour practice. If you ask for water, you'll get kicked out of <laughs> them. That's how it was back then. If you ask for water, you get kicked out of the workout <laughs> Uh, but who knows? I had kidney damage from probably
3: that that time. Yeah, that all goes to the mental edge. Right. That's a that's a mental edge right there. You know,
0: exactly.
3: So you, guys you know, kids pop- kids that come out of that part of the country are mentally tough because of 90 degrees, 90% humidity, 105, 75 percent humidity. So you know, they're mentally tough when they go up to Buffalo. They're not challenged by weather much, except when it comes to snow in December.
2: But it's that mental edge where, you know, you're running up the steps and you're running, you know, full hundred yard sprints, right? And uh, you, you get rivalries. You can speak to this chat. I remember I had rivalries. Ro- ro- of guys on the football team that he beat me one, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get you next time, bro. <laughs> Out in the heat, delirious, running getting in shape. But then you're in, the, you're in the fourth quarter of a game, right? And you kind of recreate that in your mind. It's almost like you have uh, muscle memory in your mind. And you recon- reconnect that against the opponent. And you're like, hey, I, I might be in better shape than this guy. Run past him. Especially a guy like me that was short with no talent. <laughs> <laughs> I had to out hustle and out-work. Right, Get into the head of uh, the guys I was playing against. Me at 5 7, like he's talking about around the more.
4: Yeah, right. Is he, he going to go in the first round? Probably
2: not. Huh? No, no, no. Jim I, big wouldn't Randall so. Moore,
4: I'm not. I
3: wouldn't I think so unless good. Baltimore picks him.
4: <laughs> <laughs> nah, they already got Marquise Brown. They wouldn't take him.
2: Yeah, so these are the last two picks. Uh, Baltimore and I think Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, yeah. yeah. The Harbaugh family, man, they got that system. Can't argue with them. They won Super Bowls. Combined, uh, the Harbaugh brothers make $19 million a year. And they got that, that system. They all run that same defense. Um, and, and they're consistent, right? This is going to be either an offensive lineman, defensive lineman, you know, something practical
3: and safe. Anybody left from Michigan they could take? (laughs) Michigan got a couple guys in the first round, at least one guy.
2: So what do you guys think of Lamar Jackson?
4: Um, I just think Who's he's got to be – he's got to be become a better passer, man. He's got to get his velocity up a little bit. I mean, he, he, they're going to make him pass the ball deep into the playoffs later in the season. He's going to have to – he's going to have to win with his passing. Right. I think he can win it. I think he can be successful in every regular season, though. For 10 years, I bet he can go like 11-5, and five, you yeah. know, in the playoffs. But it's just – I think it's just going to struggle in the playoffs. Just they're just going to take away that and really make him throw it, and you know
2: exactly. So I'm ahead, right in the playoffs. Grand each game, I I bet on the fact that he can't read defenses yet. He didn't really learn. He's a smart guy, he just didn't learn how to do that in Louisville. What do you think, Scott?
3: Well, he started all like gangbusters in that first game. We threw like four touchdowns and 280 yards against the Miami team.
4: It was Miami. Yeah. He scored like
3: 59 um, points against Miami last year.
4: Right. Oh, regular season
3: game. Regular season. Yeah. And then he and then he just started. He doesn't have the wide receiver talent around him. He leans on the tight end way too much. So teams are taking away the tight end. He, right. I agree. Right. He can't read defenses. The only thing his 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 fallback option is is to what? Put the ball, tuck the ball, and run. Right. He, he doesn't go through progressions. He doesn't go through his reads. He will, never, he will never be taken seriously as a passer until right. he does that stuff, until he can read the defense, until he can go through progressions, until he can stand in the pocket and throw it 30 times and complete 23, 24 balls a game. Doesn't have to throw for a ton of yards, but if he's completing those balls in the pocket and throwing it, teams will take him seriously. Until then, they're going to just stop the run. As the season goes on, yeah, he'll have success in the regular season. But when the playoffs come, these teams will say, all right, we're taking away his running. He's got to throw the ball. And he's not successful when that happens. So, and if he gets down in the game, you know he's not coming back by his arm. Right. So, you know, he gets down in the playoff game by two touchdowns. That game basically is over because he can't he can't carry the team to throw the ball to win.
4: So, Yeah. Well, well one stat about Lamar Jackson, too, that's interesting is, like, so, velocity wise and throwing the football, like the fastest, I think, is like Mahomes at like 62 miles per hour. Um, and Lamar Jackson's like at a like a Baker Mayfield's like a 55, 56. Um, but uh, Lamar Jackson's at like 49 miles per hour. His velocity he's at a very low end of that spectrum. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The, I mean, he's going to ha- he needs to get some more velocity on that ball. That, I mean, that's going to help that completion rate. That's going to help him be successful in those intermediate throws, that velocity.
3: Exactly, exactly. But he he does what Harbaugh likes to do: run the ball. And that's that's they're gonna keep leaning on that until, because he picked up his performance last year when he started to run more. When he was a passer, they he, they was they struggled. But once he started running the ball a lot more, that team went on a winning streak to get in the playoffs. So right, that's
4: how that's how they won their first the play, they won their first playoff game, right?
3: Yeah, they beat yeah. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. I mean. He was running. He broke a long run. I mean, He was running all over him. That was how they, you know.
3: Exactly. That was how they exactly. won all
4: year.
3: Exactly.
2: And that's what Baltimore did, man. Aaron decided of caution. They got a, a defensive lineman from Penn State. <laughs> they, wrong, right? they They stayed in the Big Big Ten. Yep. dollars a year per school. A lot of money. And University of Washington, uh, Joe Tyron, uh, 6'5", 259, uh, speed, Pac-10 guy. That Washington defense uh, was stout. The only team that really did a dent against that Washington defense was your Oregon State Beavers.
0: <laughs>
2: and Chad's <laughs> brother. <laughs> uh, their uh, head coach uh, used to play in the NFL. Uh, he was a Pro Bowl defensive lineman, and now he's the head coach at Washington making five million dollars a year, so he he recruits and trains NFL guys to that Washington uh, defense. And Chad, you trained with one of their cornerbacks, right? He's probably be really early in the second round tomorrow.
4: Oh yeah, Elijah Molden. Yeah, he's a stud. Yeah, he should uh, he should get off that board pretty early tomorrow.
2: Yeah, and and that was a lights out defense. Uh, COVID got them. And uh, Tampa Bay now, that defense is is a juggernaut, man. They they stopped Kansas City, zone blitz. Uh, Their defensive coordinator should be a head coach in the NFL somewhere. Uh, He has that defense down tight, and Brady's the quarterback. So Tampa Bay looks steady, right? Anything can happen next year. What are your
3: thoughts, Scott? Um, They brought everybody back, which is what they wanted to do. Um, so I think Brady's you know got confidence in, in his receivers like never before. I think they they could possibly make a return trip to the Super Bowl. I just think they have a really good team across the board. Maybe secondary, they need a little help with. Um, but I, I think they're gonna be strong next year. I could see them winning a ton of games next year, 13, 14 when, when possibly.
2: Be, yeah, and you know, I mean, wouldn't that be epic, right? The Patriots against the Bucks.
3: <laughs> Patriot, actually, Tampa's coming up here next year, so yeah, no, that'll
0: know.
3: Ahead, yeah, right, that'll that'll probably be Scott. a Monday night game of prime time. You can come back
2: tomorrow, man. Drop some knowledge. Yeah. I'll be back tomorrow. All right, right on, right on, man. Chad, you gonna be back
4: tomorrow? Um, yeah, probably not as long as tonight, but I can definitely pop on for a little right. bit. Right
2: on, man. Thank you. I'm gonna do it all because I make money doing
4: it. I can wrap this information around my head.
2: So thank you guys. Sure um, what are your thoughts, man. We'll go final final thoughts. What are your
3: thoughts on the first round? Good first round. Surprising. Surprising is what you want. Some some surprising trades. Um, some picks that didn't make sense. A lot of picks didn't make sense. Um, so I'm I'm interested to see who goes early tomorrow and day two, and if there is a few trades as well tomorrow. So.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely. We'll do a lot of reading tonight. Yep. The writers in every city who pick what what people are thinking, surprises uh, that go down. So it's going to be a very interesting day tomorrow. A very interesting day three. Chad, what exactly. what are your
0: thoughts?
4: You know, I just you know every team kind of tells us a little bit of what they're thinking and uh, what their game plan is with each pick. So you know we kind of got a little taste tonight of you know all their what their top priority is, and now we're going to kind of get to fill in the the pieces of the puzzle a little bit more so I'm just you know excited to see what kind of information and knowledge we can gain from from the rest of the picks
2: absolutely man there was a lot of insight now uh that makes sense right and the thing about COVID-19 and the economy and the real separation between the haves and the have nots and people who can double down on the system, right, and save money and still be good, it's going to be interesting, right? Because I really want to – I think now I'm even more confident that there there have been some years in the NFL where I've gone 85%, 90%. And and now the NFL is getting like the NBA where people are tanking. So if you can spot that early, who's tanking, who's doing this, who's doing that, there's a lot of money to be made. So very, very exciting. So we always close with Winston Churchill Make a living from your labor But make your life from what you live Thank you for listening to the ESBC podcast Day one of the draft Say, that.
0: You say that? Yes sir We're going to beat their ass in recruiting We're going to beat their ass every time they see us You understand that Yes sir Roll that one Fuck you Yeah, yeah. Ah. That's why this one do cost $800 And that cost Work. That's why I work with the Jews and roll like my punches, and I can't eliminate stuff.